Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michaud and today we're going to be talking about the astrology of October 2023. I hope that you're doing well out there on this Friday afternoon. Uh, please let me know if you are here and stopping by and where you're stopping in from. We're going to spend a couple hours today going over the themes and experiences, transits associated with the spooky season, October. Um, we are going to take a look at lunations, uh, the different moon phases. We're going to look at ingresses of different planets into different signs. We've got a few solar phases we'll go through this month. And we have both out of bounds and void, of course, moon this week, uh, or this, this month, I should say, two void, of course, moons uh, by the Hellenistic definition, which is somewhat rare. So, um, we will break all that down. It is, of course, eclipse season as well. So pretty big chapter markers uh, showing us what the new challenges and the new benefits might be as we move forward with our lives. So we'll go on that journey today. A couple announcements before we get into all the details. If you haven't heard, if you're new, welcome. Um, please do me a huge favor. Please like the video and subscribe to the channel and subscribe to my newsletter so you can be up to date on when we're going to be going live and all the new offerings that I have. Um, but I'm doing a deck and walk right now, which is super exciting. We are going to go on a, a year long journey where we are going to be exploring all of the 36 faces or the 36 10 degree sections of each sign of the zodiac. And we're going to have a nice, beautiful group where we're going to meet twice a month. There's going to be a workbook to work through. Uh, you will have access to all 12 of my Deccan webinars that I have been doing over the past few years here. Each of them is about three hours in length and go over tarot, mythology, fixed stars, planetary influences, uh, storytelling, um, there's a lot of information packed into that, and you get that as part of the purchase of the class. Um, we have a Discord group where we're going to be having discussions. We're having uh, some Deccan flashcards that you can use to be able to memorize how to utilize these Deccans. Most of all, we're going to be looking at charts and showing examples and, and really going through how to put this to use in your own life and when you're reading charts for others. So if you like the method that I use with the Deccans here in these forecasts. This is a great opportunity to go on a journey to be able to learn uh, these very useful techniques to be able to read charts and to enrich your life. So I hope that you'll join me for that. Of course, there are payment plans available. Reach out if you have any questions, spencermichaudastrology at gmail.com. We are coming up on the start of that class very, very soon. So uh, we're going to be starting October 2nd. We're going to be starting to, to get to know each other and get all the information out there within the next few weeks here. So um, really hope you'll join me and uh, check it out. There's a link to that in the chat here today. I also have the Virgo Deccans webinar on sale until the 23rd of September, if you're interested in just checking that out. Also, in my newsletter, I, I linked up to a free Deccan webinar that I did for Nightlight Astrology. If you'd like to see my teaching style or figure out what are these Deccans and why might they be useful, uh, you can also find this on my YouTube channel. It's called Face Off, Incorporating the Deccans into your astrological practice. One other announcement before we dive in today. My partner, my beautiful partner, Tanya Andrews, 
is having a giveaway for her magical business, Third Coast Mojo. Today is the last day to be able to sign up on Tanya's Third Coast Mojo mailing list to be able to go over to Instagram, like the post, sign up on the email list, and be entered in a drawing for a beautiful gift basket of magically elected oils. There'll be some herbs in there and some other beauty products and things of that nature. It's really good stuff. Um, really trying to amplify her signal. Uh, she's putting a lot of hard work into the stuff that she does. And she really makes some, some beautiful, beautiful astrologically elected materia. So check that out. You can also find her Etsy account at Third Coast Mojo if you want to just check out her offerings. She has planetary elected oils. She has a new Saturn in Aquarius oil that was recently released. There's Venus oils, there's Mars oils, there's Mercury oils, um, all sorts of good stuff. So please check that out and support her work as well. Again, you have until midnight Eastern tonight to sign up for the giveaway. She's going to be pulling that name at midnight tonight and announcing the winner early in the morning tomorrow. Okay, so those are the announcements. Uh, if you'd like to make a material donation to the work I'm doing today, there's a little dollar sign in the chat. It's called a super chicken. Super chicken. It's called a super chicken. Just, just give me a super chicken. <laughs> like, uh, Mercury is still retrograde for a few more hours, so bear with me, friends. It's called a super sticker or a super chat, and that does support the work that I do here. You can also make a donation uh, via my Venmo account at Spencer Michaud or uh, at buymeacoffee.com or PayPal me. So appreciate all of you. And of course, I am available for readings. If you need help through these eclipse seasons, I do transit readings, I do natal readings, I do astrological tutoring, all of those things I hope to be of service to you. All right. I'm going to welcome some friends into the chat here today. Carol from Mass is joining us. Says, Thank you, Spencer, for Hope Beyond Virgo Overdose. Yes, well, we're going to be moving into Libra and then subsequently Scorpio season after this. So uh, some, maybe some of the anxiety will start to abate, hopefully. Oftentimes in Virgo season, there's just a lot of, a lot of energy towards feeling like we just got a lot of things to do. You know, we've got to be prepared for stuff. And that might, hopefully that'll start to ease a little bit. Dawn is here. Hi, everyone from Mobile, Alabama. I hope everyone is having a better week. Uh, I'm having an okay week. It's uh, starting to become sweatshirt weather in the, uh, in the upper Midwest here. And uh, I like that. I sort of melt when it gets too hot, and I like it when it gets a little cooler around here. Uh, Cosmo Shiva Galaxina is here, emerging from the Ten of Pentacles, part of Spirit, 12 House Dead. Okay, well, I'm glad you're here with me, friend. I believe that is my friend, Yevgen. So I hope you're doing well out there. Uh, Don says, Eek, ready for some peaceful energy. When will that be coming? Well, Libra can be the sign of trying to restore peace and restore balance. Um, so that might be a, a something on the horizon as we as we move towards the fall equinox. Uh, Tarja is here. Hi, Spencer from Finland. Don't like the summer to end. Yeah, I, I hear that. I As long as the summer is mild, I don't mind ending. But if the summer is crazy hot, I'm, me and fall are, are good friends. Uh, KP1231. Hi, everyone in, from Cleveland in the house. Okay, happy Friday to you, friend. Nice to see you. Hope you're doing well. And Dawn is saying, I really wish I could do the Deccans. Just doesn't seem to be in the stars this time. Well, I'm sorry, Dawn. It's not always going to work out for everyone at every point. But if you can join me, I'd be, I'd be super happy for those of you who are able to make it work at this point. There'll be other opportunities to work with me in, in various capacities, but this is one that I'm super excited about 
it's a it's a long-term type of relationship where we're going to be going on a, a huge journey together and this is the the starting point in that journey uh at an interesting time of year when we're uh you know when the, the nights become longer and cooler and i think it's a good time to start a class because you know there's less outdoor activities maybe we're curling up if we're in the northern hemisphere with a good book and we have more time to study um so i'm, I'm excited about it and we've got some really cool people in class already and i'm excited to work with them and it's going to be a really great group ek beth is here from madison how you doing beth nice to see you hope you're doing well all right friends again if you are joining us please drop me a little note in the chat box tell me where you're stopping in from always enjoy hearing where you are and how you're doing and if you have any questions along the way i'll try to answer them as much as possible we've got quite a bit of ground to cover today and i've been uh i've been doing well about managing my time and keeping these to roughly two hours or so and we'll try to get as close to that as we can today we might go a little bit over since we just have such a a vast amount of astrology to get to um but of course towards the end we're going to be talking about an animal of the month and an I Ching reading to help you uh to help guide you through these i don't know eclipse waters this bardo period that will be coming up so let's dive in what do you say all right friends so some big picture thoughts for october um we have four lunation phases that we're going to pay attention to uh, on the 6th of October, we're going to have a last quarter moon at 13 degrees of Cancer, and that is going to be squaring the second quarter or the second decan, sorry, Libra uh, Sun. So we will break that down as we get closer to that, but we're going to be, you know, towards the beginning of the month, the moon's going to be waning. We're going to be getting closer to eclipse period, so we're going to be letting go of this old lunar cycle that's related to Virgo season, and we're going to be getting ready for a new moon solar eclipse in Libra. So that's going to happen on October the 14th. You know, new moon eclipses, they're important beginnings. Uh, this one is also going to be fairly close to the South Node or K2, which is associated with energy leaving the physical plane. So there could be a new beginning of an ending. Okay, so this is something to consider as well. I, I like those eclipses that are new moons by K2 or the South Node. It's like, oh, this might be the beginning of processing something old, the beginning of composting, the beginning of letting go. So that's something to keep in mind. It's in a decan that is associated with trying to find the right balance, the right equilibrium, restoring right proportion in relationship to its decanic spirit, nemesis. So we'll break that down as we get into the nitty-gritty of the month. On the 21st, we have a first quarter moon in the late degrees of Capricorn. So around 28 degrees of Capricorn, that's the 21st of October. And that'll be squaring the late degree Libra sun. So we'll be trying to figure out what are the bureaucratic processes that we'll have to go through to restore balance into our life? What are the, the challenges of resources? What are the challenges of being able to figure out, you know, how to organize our lives in, in a, in a interesting way? Um, We'll have some squares with Pluto around that period of time as well. The Sun and Mercury are going to be squaring Pluto, so we'll we'll break that down as well. And that'll be building towards the end of the month uh, to a full moon lunar eclipse uh, on the 28th of October. So full moon lunar eclipses, again, endings, uh, something coming to fruition, 
Uh, the time between eclipses, the 14th through the 28th, uh, we can call that a bardo period, which is basically means it's in between. We're in between phases. Things could feel a little bit unsettled. You know, we could feel a little bit unmoored in that mid-month period. But once we get past the full moon lunar eclipse, we'll probably have a general idea of how things are going to start shaking out in our life. And these eclipses, these new moons and full moons, they have influence that is that goes beyond the normal 30-ish day lunar cycle. They are active for the next six months or so. So this is going to be giving us some insight into what we're going to be working on for the next six months. There's meta cycles around that as well, but those are those are the ways that I usually kind of think about it for the most part is what are we going to be doing for the next half year or so? We have a few ingresses this month. We have Mercury moving out of its home sign of Virgo uh, and into Libra on the 4th of October. Um, so Mercury is going to lose a little bit of dignity and start moving into that square with, with Pluto. Um, so we'll have to, our minds may be moving more towards equilibrium and balance and maybe out, out of the organizational mode and more into a social mode. So I think that this month could be a social month where we're having a lot of communications with various people in our lives. On the 8th, Venus is going to be moving out of Leo, where it has been for quite some time because of its retrograde this year, and into its fall in Virgo. So a challenging place for Venus. The good news, I guess, is that Venus and Mercury will be moving into what is called a mutual reception with each other which means that they are in each other's houses. They are exchanging resources with one another. So even though they may not be in places where they you know, feel the most comfortable, they do have a secret line of communication between one another and maybe trying to help one another out. So Venus and Virgo, you know, we're, we're trying to find harmony, but we may find it challenging to find harmony because of our either perfectionism because of wanting to split things into categories rather than unify them together, which is a Venus quality. So we have to be careful of that, that we're not uh, sabotaging our ability to bring things together by being too meticulous. On October the 12th, Mars is going to be moving into Scorpio. So Mars is going to be improving its dignity, moving out of its exile in Libra and into its home sign of Scorpio. This should be really positive for the Scorpio area of your chart and the Aries area of your chart, um, both of those signs ruled by Mars. Um, there's a really sustained energy with Mars in Scorpio. This is something where we may have uh, enhanced power to let go and to compost and to be able to eliminate some of the things in our life that may not be serving us or may be taking us away from our true path, like distractions, for example. Mars in Scorpio is just like, like a a freight train of energy. It's it's sustained energy over time. Rather rather than Aries where you might have a burst of energy, but then you might get tired. Uh, Mars in, in Scorpio is in a fixed sign. So this is a sustained energy of being able to sever and separate from that which no longer serves us. On the 22nd, Mercury will move into Scorpio and the sun will follow suit uh, after into Scorpio on the 23rd. We're going to have an interesting Mars Mercury conjunction over the course of the month in Scorpio. We have some oppositions with Jupiter in Taurus, and we're going to be building towards a Mars Kazemi in November. So I'll, I'll talk about that as we get towards the end of the month. But we have 
one other Kazemi this month. We have a Mercury Kazemi this month uh, with Mercury direct in Libra. So a couple solar phases to think about. On the 1st of October, Mercury is going to be moving under the beams of the sun. That means that Mercury is going to go invisible. Uh, it's not going to be visible with the sun beams blinding it out, basically. Uh, when Mercury is direct, when we have Mercury going under the beams of the sun, according to a friend of mine, Gary, Gary Caton, who is a Mercury expert, it's sort of like Hermes visiting Mount Olympus. Like we may be trying to draw down some energy from our higher self or from the universe or from the divine. Whereas when Mercury is going under the beams in its retrograde phase, it's sort of like Hermes entering into the underworld, guide, guiding souls to the underworld, uh, maybe to let something go, maybe to, to find something deep buried within us. So I, I do think that this Mercury Kazemi could be more about channeling something from outside of ourselves rather than when we have the retrograde Mercury cycle, like getting in touch with some inner wisdom that we might have. So it's going to go under the beams at 24 degrees of Virgo on the 1st. Pluto is going to station direct on the 10th of October at 27 degrees of Capricorn. So if there's any issues that have come up in your life with Pluto-related stuff, you know, if like where you've had some things that were repressed and you've been trying to make some changes and you've been trying to shine some light on maybe some things that have been buried underneath the surface, those issues might start moving forward again, especially with bureaucratic processes in the third decan of Capricorn. And then on the 20th is when we have our Mercury conjoining the Sun, or Mercury Kazemi at 26 degrees of Libra. It's going to be close, both the Sun and Mercury are going to be close to the South Node. So this might be, you know, being able to let go of something that might be able to restore our equilibrium and our harmony. But because that third decan of Libra has a lot to do with, you know, trying to balance out the twists and turns of fate that we might experience from 2K. 2K was the random distributions of fortune and fate. And Nemesis was there to restore a right proportion, sort of like Saturn, okay? Like, like kind of like finding the, the right balance of things. You know, Saturn was exalted in Libra, so there's some connections with that as well. Just something to keep on your radars. Uh, Saturn is going to station direct at zero degrees of Pisces on November 4th. So we'll be getting closer to the moment that Saturn's going to be stationing direct. And then, of course, we have that Mars Kazemi at 25 degrees of Scorpio on the 18th of November. So those are things to keep on your radar as far as some forward motion happening in the Piscean area of your chart and related to the Capricorn and Aquarius areas of your chart. And then the Mars Kazemi may be a new, a new start in the Scorpio topic or house of your chart. And they may also affect the Aries area of your chart as well. Okay, a couple other things that we have going on. Out of bounds and void of course moons for the month. Um, out of bounds moons are basically when the any planet or the moon goes outside of the normal path that the sun would take above or below the ecliptic, which is, you know, this is that's the zero degrees point in the sky that the sun goes above and below at various points in the year. So we are going to have uh, at the solstices, the, the summer solstice, the sun is going to be as far above the ecliptic as it gets at 23 degrees, 36 minutes. 
at the winter solstice is as far below or far south of the ecliptic as it gets at 2336 south, right? And at these equinoxes, it's right on the, on the zero point, okay? Equal day and night. And whenever one of these planets goes outside of that like solstice point, solstice point, 23 degrees, 36 minutes, um, it's said to be out of bounds. It's said to be not in the, uh, under the authority of the king. It's kind of doing its own thing it's outside of the norm. Uh, it is unorthodox. When we have the moon out of bounds, sometimes we feel like our bodies are, aren't really in alignment with uh, the norm. Our emotions might be going to some extremes. And uh, it's just something sometimes when we might feel tired or over-emotional or, or, or just extra-emotional. So we're going to have an out-of-bounds period from October the 3rd to October the 8th. And also an out-of-bounds period from the 17th to the 22nd. And then finally, on the spooky day, uh, All Hallows' Eve, we have the out-of-bounds moon from October 30th all the way to November 4th. Now, the other thing that's interesting about this month that I think is pretty important to keep in mind is we have two void-of-course, Hellenistic defi Hellenistically defined void-of-course moons before each eclipse. So I'm not sure if this is a scientific, uh, you know, factor, like if the moon does something particularly important before the eclipse, or if this happens before each eclipse. I'm not sure that it does exactly. This is just really interesting to me that this is happening during this eclipse period, is we are having the moon going void, of course, which basically means that it's not making any aspect to a traditional planet. We're eliminating uh, Uranus, Pluto, Neptune, etc. For 30 degrees that can cross sign boundaries. Okay, so when we have those factors, it's much more rare to have that happen rather than having a planet not making an aspect to a planet over 30 degrees uh, over, the, the, over the sign boundary. Okay, so like in modern definition, it happens a lot more often because sometimes the, the planet isn't making a an aspect yeah, in the, in the, until it changes signs. So here we have two of these factors. And Hellenistic astrologers would call this kind of a, a wandering planet where it just didn't have any, uh, nothing would come of the matters. So we have to be really careful around this, this eclipse period during these void of course moons to be gentle with ourselves, maybe not to make huge plans or commitments potentially around those periods of time, uh, because something might become corrupted around that. Eclipses in general are challenging times. Um, there was a little bit of a fear of eclipses in ancient times because they basically viewed them as uh, a force or a demon swallowing up the sun or the moon the lights, the things that gave us life. And that wasn't uh, a good thing in ancient times, right? So they can be disruptive. They can lead us to having really challenging emotions. They can bring up a lot of fears. They can bring up a lot of uh, issues that have been lying dormant for a long time that just need to be dealt with. I have found some interesting phenomena during eclipse periods where a lot of like conspiracy theory type things start to pop up during eclipse periods, like where the veil is thinner. For whatever reason, 
I see lots of stories about like Bigfoot and aliens and things of that nature during eclipse time. And maybe it's because there is some sort of uh, thinning of the veil between our imaginations and reality, or maybe even different dimensions or something of that nature. I'm not sure how I feel about that exactly being somewhat of a practical person, but I do see more of those things come up during those periods of time. And I just thought it was interesting to notice. So those are your, your, your time periods. The VOC, the first VOC is going to be from void. Of course is going to be from October 11th to the 14th, the, the three days building up to the first eclipse. And the second void, of course, is going to be the three days building up to the second eclipse from the 25th to the 28th. So just something to really keep an eye on. Um, I've found that those periods, it, it doesn't have to be anything excruciating that happens during those periods of time. Oftentimes they just, they, they go by without, you know, something that I notice. But what I do try to plan during those periods of time, I try to plan easy activities, not, not super intense activities. I try to plan things that if they work out, okay. And if they don't, that's fine. I remember during one Hellenistic void, of course, Tanya and I cleaned out our basement and we got rid of a ton of stuff. I think it's great for cleaning. I think it's great for getting rid of stuff. Great for housework, things like that, where you're just like eliminating things. So those might be times where if you have a big project and you're trying to clear the decks, that could be another way to utilize those time periods most effectively. Not a great time to sign a contract or to make a big commitment or something like that, because it might not turn out exactly how you were hoping. Um, okay, so that is the overview for the month. And we're going to kind of go into the, the, the nitty gritty details. We're going to talk about it decan by decan uh, with the solar decans. Again, you can sign up for my decans webinars uh, or my my Deccan Walk, which is a year-long journey. It's my biggest offering to date. Super excited about it. Hope that you'll join me for that. Again, if you need some assistance with the payments, if you need a payment plan, if you need to split it up into monthly payments, totally willing to work with you in whatever capacity might you might need to uh, make it work for you. If you do sign up and you pay in full, you get an extra $100 gift certificate off of any reading that I offer. So that is one little perk of signing up and paying in full. Okay, Beth is like, yay, sweater, sweater weather, <laughs> sweater weather, it's easy for you to say. Um, yes, I like sweater weather, I'm, I'm into it, and especially with uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's football season too, Packers looking pretty good over there, Beth. Hopefully uh, the state of Wisconsin's pretty, pretty pumped up. Reverend Kai is here from Kansas with the sunflower emojis. How you doing, Reverend Kai? Nice to see you. Um, Beth is saying this eclipse is on my son's 12th house chart ruler. Okay, well, keep an eye on your son. See how things are going. Um, it doesn't always have to mean that the worst possible manifestations are coming. Uh, this is an angular, I have an angular eclipse happening in, over the Scorpio-Taurus axes, and this eclipse will also be right on my partner's natal moon. So, you know, we can, it's, it's better to live into the answers. It's better not to uh, call in the worst of the experience, I guess. Oftentimes these things pass without the worst possible manifestation. Sometimes they can just be big changes that are happening. And I know change is scary too, but uh, oftentimes we're being guided towards the changes that will hopefully bring us happiness or that, that are bringing us learning lessons. So 
something to consider there too. Uh, question, Beth says, I'd like to know what to think about that. The, yeah, I think this, the, as far as the 12th house goes, Beth, you know, this is a place where we don't always have control over all of the outcomes where we're having to sort of surrender to a power that is greater than ourselves. Um, I often like to think about this as a place of solitude as well. So it, instead of being a place of self undoing, which it, it can be. So I guess I would uh, double check any actions that your son may be considering and if they're in his best interest or not. Um, but it also can be something where we're trying to figure out what's the best way to get personal time. What's the best way to uh, utilize our solitude, or maybe there's something that thrusts us into a position of solitude, which actually can be healing sometimes. So solitude isn't always bad. Solitude can be a, a healing experience that can help us get in touch with the type of messages that we need to hear from the universe. So um, that's why I think about that. It just depends on where that ruler is and what house to, as to what themes are going to manifest. Um, but I don't know if it's something to be super worried about. Beth. Angela is here. Says hello from Paris. Really curious and a bit scared about these eclipses. Happy to listen to your live for once. Well, welcome, Angela. I don't think you need to be afraid. I think that one thing that you all can take solace in is that you have lived through uh, at least, depending on how old you are, at least uh, four to five eclipses every single year. And here you are, and you've survived. Uh, so it, it is, yes, it is somewhat of a special astrological event and can indicate big chapter markers. But overall, you've survived. Overall, you've just had different chapters of your life. Sometimes eclipses bring new chapters that are positive. So uh, I think that when I see astrology that could be scary, I remind myself that if I see something coming, like like let's say we are... Uh, in a car and we see that we're going someone's stopping in front of us and we see that we're going to rear end them and we can't really stop uh it's probably better to in, instead of tensing up maybe to go a little bit loose right because through the tensing up you have you're more likely to hurt yourself this is something they teach about falling off a horse you know if you tense up you may break something but if you go limp you might have a, a better chance of like not breaking a bone or something that and i've never had that experience with a horse but i do know that if we tense up when we see something coming towards us it might be more likely to snap right so i, I think that the flexibility lesson within that the seeing what comes rather than pre um pre bracing for the worst i think is a good way to deal with this type of energy Tarius says, interesting VOC times. Yes, there's going to be some, some interesting times in October. There's, this is a big month in the year for 2023, a uh, big month for movement and changes. So that's why we're, you know, diving into it piece by piece. Jennifer is here. Hello, Jennifer from Ann Arbor, Michigan, my backyard here. Happy new moon. Yes, happy new moon to all of you today as we're recording this shortly after the new moon in Virgo. Hope that's going well for you. If you missed my last live stream, I broke down the, the new moon in Virgo in depth. So check that out on the on the channel as well. 
Angela says, I have natal Mars and Libra in the 12th house, 24 degrees, Scorpio rising. Thank you for the expl explanation about the 12th house. Uh, maybe letting go of negative patterns. Yeah, there you go. See, when we have something with the south node, maybe we're letting go of something that isn't serving us anymore. And that can lead to all sorts of positive outcomes. So I like, I like your perspective on that, Angela. Jennifer says, yesterday out of the blue, I had a friend stop over with whom I haven't talked to or seen in 20 years. Well, good. Gemini rising here. I'm glad that's working out for you, Jennifer. Um, that's some nice new moon manifestation there for you with a, what do you have that in the fourth house, right? Potentially. So uh, nice to see an old friend for sure. Okay. And Angela is saying, you are right, which is the music to a Leo rising's ears. You're right. <laughs> I always love hearing that. I'm not always right, but I enjoy it when I am. Okay. Friends. Let's start breaking it down. What do you say? So I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to start by just showing us where what we're going to be experiencing and expecting with the first, you know, the, the energies of Libra. So we start off the first three days of Libra with the sun in the first decade of Libra. And here you see some slides from my webinar the Decans of Libra, which you can find for sale in the store at my website, spencermichaud.com. All of these slides, Deccan flashcards that you see here, and webinars will be included in the price of the Deccan Walk if you are interested in signing up for that. If you already have them, we can negotiate a different price as well. Um, so that's something to consider also. But Libra won the first couple days. Sometimes we have an awareness of some kind of injustice uh, there's a there's a a spirit called the Uranus, which would punish people that got that people would pray to to punish people who got away with an injustice. So we're going to be dealing with that at the end of the month of September and into the first few days of October. So we may be aware of an imbalance that needs to to move uh, to a state of equilibrium within our life. So asking ourselves things about fairness, ethical breaches. Now remember, we do have Mars moving through Libra during this beginning of this month, through the middle of the month, which is a challenging place for coming to agreement, for coming to things that seem fair. There may be sever, sever, severing and separation that come with either contracts or agreements or even in relationships potentially. So keep, keep an eye out for that as well. So just at the beginning of the month, what is fair? Has there been an ethical breach? What is disturbing harmony? What laws will help foster unity? What darkness has been exposed as we get to the uh, the fall equinox at the end of September? What kind of shifts are you seeing as we start a whole a whole new season? And then what is not me? That's interesting. We're kind of experiencing what uh, and ideas that might be outside of our own subjective experience, and that can be jarring at first. But I think that one of the best qualities that you can have if you're a uh, I don't know. Uh, an experienced Libra is being a good listener. So being able to understand someone else's perspective is some of the hard work that we have to do during Libra season. Uh, Reverend Kai says, glad to hear a positive take on the eclipses. The lunar eclipse in October is exact about three hours after my solar return. Ooh, that's going to be a big solar return for you, Reverend Kai. So we'll try to break it down in more depth for you. Remember, I will break down each of those eclipses in a, in a live stream and take it through the houses in the in the weeks ahead. So be sure you join me for that as well. 
Jennifer says, yep, 4th house Virgo with Pluto and Venus conjunct opposing 10th house Pisces where Moon and Jupiter conjunct 2nd decan with Chiron in the 1st decan. Oh, lots of details there. Well, that could lead to an experience of an old friend popping up, right? I know that's probably a lot of fun. I had an old friend call me the other day, too. Uh, just a shout out to my friend, uh, my friend Jared, uh, aka Mercurius George. He's a wonderful astrologer. Check him out. Also, super kick-ass musician and a really intelligent, really intelligent person. So really enjoyed kind of catching up with him and looking forward to connecting once again. Beth says, our divorce, our divorce final court date is September 22nd. Mars and Libras, welcome to that credit. Yeah, see, Beth, I mean, it's a difficult time for sure, but Mars is helping you to move on for your next experience. It's it's severing a relationship that was no longer working for the two of you and freeing you up to be able to move forward with your life. So some things that seem negative on first glance, they can lead to more freedom. They can lead to liberation of energy. That's what we can embrace Mars with, is Mars gets rid of the stuff that no longer serves us anymore, as painful as it can be at various times. So good luck with that, Beth. I hope that that's going well for you. I know that that's, again, it's, an, it's a challenging time, even in the best of circumstances, but wishing you good luck with that. Um, so let's just look at the first couple days in, in Libra with the sun in Libra 1. Okay, so a couple aspects that are going to be important. So the first thing that we're looking at here is on October 1st, as I mentioned, we have Mercury going under the beams of the sun. So right now, Mercury is a morning star. It has a ton of dignity in, Lib in Virgo, excuse me, and it's going to be going within the 15 degree arc of separation from the sun on October 1st. So this is, as I was mentioning before, Mercury kind of going up to Mount Olympus, uh, visiting the gods, getting a message from Zeus to bring back down to Earth when it, when it emerges from under the beams um, on, let's see, it will emerge as an evening star on November the 17th. So we have, th the way that this is going to go with Mercury is we have Mercury going under the beams, starting to visit Olympus, you could think about, on October the 1st. It will be Kazemi meeting the heart of the sun on the 20th, and then it'll emerge from the beams on, a, on November the 17th at 11 degrees of Sagittarius, which is the same day, roughly, as the Mars Kazemi. So those two actions will be connected, right? So this is, a, this is an interesting time for us to start to pay attention to messages that we receive maybe from our higher self, maybe from our intuition, our, the universe. Uh, this is a moment of phosis where we may be reevaluating some things as well. We may be doing some negotiating behind the scenes, right? Because Mercury is invisible now. And we're going to be leading towards a Kazemi where we're going to be restoring balance, restoring right proportion. But also that Kazemi is going to happen fairly close to the south node in Libra. So we might restore right proportion by, by letting go of some things, potentially, by releasing. And that, that I think, is, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I have come much more to terms with letting go of things in my life than I was when I was younger. Sometimes I just like feel a huge sense of relief 
when I'm able to let go of something that was was just kicking around in my brain or something that was just no longer serving me. I, I love cleaning out and getting rid of stuff in my house and freeing up space and new possibilities. Um, I feel a huge sense of relief when uh, uh, there's a relationship in my life that it wasn't working and I finally am able to free myself from it. Uh, those are always painful experiences on some level, although it doesn't have to be. There can be conscious uncoupling for things, but if you've dealt with difficult people in your life and you finally are able to move forward and move on from them, it's a huge sigh of relief, even though the, the process itself wasn't the easiest. So, so there could be things like that that we're experiencing as well. Um, Jennifer is saying, can a Mars trying to natal Mars also be a cutting out? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just where we're feeling in alignment with the changes that are happening. Like a Mars square, may, it may be more of a painful separation where a Mars trine may be one where we're just ready to, to do it. We're, we're within the Tao and we're flowing with the changes. So yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see. Yepgen says, two of, Wards is my, two of Swords is my ascendant and my son in Capricorn 21st degree, Norbert Drums Allah, six feet under. I'll have to unpack that, <laughs> that comment there, but but yeah, you should probably have be having an interesting October with the eclipses in your first and seventh house, Yevgen, uh, and some of the squares with Pluto um, over top of your, your natal sun as well. So keep an eye out for that, and we'll try to break that down for you. Rachel Fletcher is here, signing on late from Roanoke, Virginia. Nice to see you, Rachel. Hope you're doing well. Uh, nice to uh, catch up with you soon, hopefully, as well. Um, okay, so, so that's the Mercury going under the beams in the first few days of October. So, again, we have those dates that I just talked about. The 1st, the 20th, and the 17th of November as part of the, the Mercury cycle to keep an eye on. As we move forward, and as Mercury is moving under the beams of the Sun, I want you to observe that it is going to be opposing Neptune. So I sigh heavily because this is a this is a challenging aspect. This is something and again this will be the this will be the day that my Deccan walk starts. So hopefully we'll we'll be able to clear up all the details beforehand. If you're thinking about signing up for the class, reach out now so we can Take care of all the, the the details, all of the, you know, ins and outs, cross the the T's and dot the I's before this day, uh, so that we'll be able to just be able to work through the, the the energy itself during the class. But this could be something where we have a challenging, uh, some confusion around the information. All right, we could have something where our our minds may be a little bit cloudy. There could be something where we're a little confused, where where we don't necessarily have as the clarity that we are hoping for around that period of time. And and possibly part of the the journey that Mercury is going through through the you know the Kazemi process is is attaining that clarity. Mercury is very powerful in the last decade of Virgo. Very powerful. It has a lot of dignity as it is in its exaltation, it's in its own domicile. It's in its own face. It is a powerhouse Mercury, but it's going to be challenged in its desire to be able to pass on legacies, 
by a dissolving quality related to the sacrifices we may have to make for the dreams that we want to achieve. So there may be some tension with that, with the desire to, to bring an end to a material process and the sacrifices necessary to make it a reality. So, so keep that in mind as you're moving forward through the beginning of the month. The other thing we have on the second, oops, is a trine between Venus and the North Node. Okay, so you can see a positive aspect between Venus and the North Node. So this is something where we may be feeling within a flow state in regards to Venus. Um, oftentimes when a planet is at the squaring of the nodes, we're at a turning point where we have a decision to make. We have, we're at a crossroads. And then we can start to see the results of that at the trine here. So we, we probably had some decisions that we had to make when Venus was squaring the nodes. Um, and now we're going to start seeing the results. What kind of results? Potentially, in this case, Venus is going to be bringing us the ability to dig deep for courage, the ability to defend our authenticity. Uh, it may be in, in harmony with our desires to sell an idea to somebody. So like be, for, for somebody to believe in you and for them to get on board with your ideas, you need to believe it yourself. If you aren't in 100% alignment with your beliefs, it's really, really hard to get other people on board with that. So this could be a moment where we've got some clarity. We've gotten some clarity about what we love, who we are, and now we're able to express that and attract from that place of, of unification between our inner self and our outer expression. And when we have a trine with the North Node here, the North Node in Aries 3 is really an energy of trying to win people over to your point of view through your charisma. It's also a Venus Deccan, and there's an energy of Eros in there, like being able to shoot those golden arrows that, that cause people to fall in love, right? But it's through using your, your charm, your humor, your charisma. So th this could be a moment where you're, you are really becoming solid on your beliefs, you're trying to defend a particular position, but you could use the quality of charisma and social graces to win people over to your point of view with the trine between Venus and the North Node. Christopher's here. Hello, Christopher. Hello from Denver. Eclipse season. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, we've been talking about eclipse season, Christopher, and it is sometimes we get a little nervous around eclipse season, but as I, as I said in the beginning of the show, We've lived through many eclipses, and we have survived to tell the tale, right? Sometimes there were some challenges. Sometimes there were some things we were letting go of. Sometimes there was some amazing new beginnings. And those two things are probably going to be uh, similar this eclipse season as well. So we just live into the answers. Sometimes just things are revealed to us, right? And that is, uh, that's, can be an exciting time also. But don't go charge your crystals in the light of an eclipse. <laughs> that's, that's always the new age advice that my friend Sam Reynolds likes to give. I love Sam. He's like, don't go charge your crystals. Like this is a sort of a disruptive energy. It is a, you know, we're going to feel tested and probably tired over the course of the eclipse Bardot period. 
And maybe even, you know, in the lead up with the void, of course, leading up to each eclipse as well. So, but again, it's, it's a wild card, right? It's, there's certain things that we aren't going to be able to predict, even as astrologers, that come up during this period of time that we'll have to make adjustments to. But your resiliency is where you get to uh, make the choices and get to learn through the experience. And I'm fairly confident that most of you out in the chat here are very resilient. I've seen it happen. I've seen it in my work with some of you as clients. I've seen it with some of you as students. And the fact that you are utilizing this, this knowledge base and this wisdom shows a certain amount of resiliency because you're trying to understand the experiences that you've gone through. Not everybody does that. Not everybody has that ability to self-reflect. And part of the way that we learn and make changes is through that reflective process. So um, that alone, I think, is going to put many of you in good stead moving forward. Okay, let's see. Christopher says, I just had the last eclipse in my 11th and 5th house, and it was lovely. Hoping everyone can have some good outcomes regardless of placements. Yeah, Christopher, sometimes great stuff happens. I, I purchased a home at the last eclipse period, right? Um, it was it was a mixed bag. There was during one of the eclipse periods of last year, my mom passed away and I bought my first house. So <laughs> those are those are pretty extreme examples of the good in the bad in your life. <laughs> but but I think that it's it's all learning experience. And some of this this is going to be one of our last eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio. Uh, for the next length of time, really. So we may be really ending some of those those challenges and experiences that we had that started in the last few years. All right, let's keep moving. On the third, the moon is going to be out of bounds. So this is the beginning of our out of bounds moon period that will last until the 8th of October. So again, just be aware of your body. Try not to push yourself too hard. Try not to swing from too many extremes of emotion. Uh, try to center yourself as much as you can. But if you know that the moon's going to be out of bounds, you can give yourself some extra latitude. You can give yourself some extra space in your schedule for the feelings that come up. I've been talking a lot about executive skills and executive functioning and trying to manage my own time better. And what I've learned through the winning the week method I keep talking about, it's a great book by Demir Bentley is that when I plan pre-plan my week every week, I'm not going to win every day. There's going to be some days where I just don't feel it. I don't feel good, or I have something emotional that comes up, or I have a distraction that comes up. But as long as I'm moving the ball forward every week, I can look back at the end of the week and say, that week was a success. I didn't win every day. But if one day was bad, I'd pick myself up off the mat, and i get up and i do what I need to do the next day. And I'll tell you what, there is, there is a lot of positive self-esteem that you can gain from that type of uh, approach to your life and to your week and to your days. It is building in grace. And, and that is super important, especially when we have like these out-of-bounds periods as well. The other thing that's going on on, on the third is Mercury is going to be making a trine Pluto. So you can see here, we've got Mercury applying to a trine 
from Virgo, final degrees of Virgo, to Pluto and Capricorn. So this could be a time where we're really getting in depth with our studies. Uh, again, it'll be the time that the the Deccan walk is starting, so we might be really diving into depth to the to the knowledge that we will be experiencing starting with the Libra Deccans. Um, this could be something where you're investigating something, where you're you're really trying to bring a material process to its its closure and to its end, and you may have to deal with some of the bureaucratic processes that Pluto in the final degrees of Capricorn can represent. Now, since it's a shine, maybe you uncover some details that become really important moving forward that help you to move on and make the changes and transmute energy from one form to another. So this could be a really positive thing. I would just be careful of getting too obsessed with particular ideas when you have Mercury-Pluto contacts. Um, but again, this Mercury can help unearth the right method, the right skills that you might need to be able to deal with things that have been pushed down below the surface, below into the underworld, and to deal with them and to transform them for the better. Um, let's see. Yevgen says, I meant I'm seeing morbid dreams a la Six Feet Under HBO show about a family business of funeral agency in my dreams. I'm dealing with corpses being the esthetician. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, I wonder what's going on in your chart with that. Yeah, again, maybe some fourth house stuff with um, with Capricorn, with Pluto and Capricorn in your fourth house, right? If you're a Libra rising. So that's definitely uh, uh, something that you could be experiencing. And Pluto is near your sun. So that, that would make some sense as well. Dealing with death, dealing with maybe some things that have been repressed. Six feet under is the definitely quintessential fourth house, I think, uh, show, right? Uh, okay, yeah, fourth house was traditionally associated with death as well in the underworld in, in Hellenistic astrology. Rachel says, I haven't bought winning the week yet, but honestly, just your observations about it have already been inspiring me to structure my days better. Yes, I love hearing that, Rachel. I love hearing that. I have a Virgo stellium, and it is it brings me so much joy to be able to help people become more effective and efficient and practical in their lives. Yes, I do a lot of um, liminal work, liminal space work with astrology, where I'm going in between worlds and trying to, to articulate something from a spiritual perspective. But I really enjoy bringing that knowledge into the practical world. And it is just so beautiful to be able to feel the freedom that comes with good time management. Now, I will say my, my time management has been challenged since Jupiter stationed retrograde. And I talked about this in other shows that Jupiter is in a decan that is associated with healthy routines, with, you know, finding the right rhythm. And since it's my time, Lord, when it's stationed retrograde, I, I had a lot of different different things pulling me away for my attention. And I've had to reevaluate how I manage my time since Jupiter went retrograde. In full disclosure, the big distraction that came up was the football season started. I really love football and I'm, and I'm involved in fantasy football. Like it's something that I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but for an analytical person like me who, who loves the, the ballet of sports, it just lets my brain grind away at, 
at things that actually are quite similar to astrology. It's, it's analyzing vast amounts of data and trying to predict what the outcomes might be with all of that data in place. And to me, that's fun. I love doing that. The flip side of that, though, is for something like enjoyable for someone such as myself, like as, such as fantasy football, sometimes that can be hard to turn off and like hard to be able to figure out what is the right time to enjoy something and when do you do the work that you need to do for your responsibilities, for your actual work. And I'm finding the balance now. The first week was a little bit difficult, but I think that we all might be going through that a little bit too as school has started where we're having new routines or having to incorporate in if you're a parent, like taking the kids to school and all of their uh, responsibilities and activities and how to manage your time better when, when that has changed and it's not the summer anymore. There may be other circumstances in your life that have brought changes to your routines. So it's constantly a process. And again, what I love about winning the week is that it allows for flexibility. It allows for things to not go perfect every single day, but still move you forward in your life. So highly recommend it. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Winning the Week by Demir Bentley and her, his wife, Carrie Bentley. And if you do nothing else, if you, if you just sit down in the beginning of your weeks and take stock of the things that might distract you and try to give yourself extra space for those things and figure out when you're going to do your highest priority for the week, that alone is going to help you move the needle. So I'm glad to hear that, Rachel. Scarlett's here. says, so good to catch you live again. Love your insights. Well, thank you, Scarlett. I'm glad you're here, my friend. Um, yeah, and if, if you all of you are stopping in, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you're new. Sign up for that newsletter today, too. Uh, that's a great way to know when I'm going live again and uh, you can keep up to date on my offerings and classes and discounts and things of that nature. I wanted to to point out again that my partner, Tanya Andrews, has a wonderful uh, magical election business where she magically elects different oils and herbs and uh, beauty products. And she's having a giveaway right now. So go over to Instagram. You can follow her at Third Coast Mojo uh, and enter by signing up on our email list, liking the post, share the post, share the, share the love with that. Let's get her some more subscribers. I think she has a, a couple hundred subscribers. Let's try to push that over 200 today if we can. How about that? Uh, she deserves it. She works really hard and, and she's building confidence around this work. And sometimes just seeing the results of her actions can really, I think, be a nice boost. And um, so she's giving away a wonderful gift package with a magically elected oil, uh, probably some herbs and some beauty products as well. So check that out. Enter to win. The drawing is going to be tonight at midnight Eastern. So you still have some time as you're listening to this live to, to get on board with that. Um, okay, let's keep going. And you can follow me on Instagram and threads as well at Spencer Michaud. I'm pretty active over there. I had a, I, I still haven't posted a couple more, um, Monarch videos. I, I released three more Monarchs after the videos that you've seen on there. I've, for a total of five, 
And I just, I've been so busy that I haven't been posting those videos, but maybe I'll make a montage of one with a big release video, but it's been super fun raising those caterpillars and hopefully trying to help the monarch species to, to rebound and really enjoying that process. Okay, friends, that is the first decan of Libra. I'm going to take a little stretch break here. I encourage you to do the same. Again, this is a wonderful opportunity to um, support Tanya, support the channel. I'm so very grateful that you are all here with me today, that we are going on this journey together through the month of October. I know we're doing this a little bit early, but it's just how it worked out for my weeks. I try to plan out uh, the weeks, the way that they make sense around the lunations and the Q and A's for the season. So the way it's been working out recently is I've been doing a, a monthly forecast. I've been doing a new moon and a full moon podcast. And then I do a monthly Q and A. And then sometimes there's just a wild card in there, here and there. Okay. Now that we're stretched out, got to take care of your body friends. If you sit too long, that can cause all sorts of issues and challenges. So, okay. Dawn says, yay, finally had my second monarch of the season. So few this year. It's really sad. Well, Dawn, hopefully one of my little babies will come visit you in Alabama on their migration. And then every monarch that you see, you're like, this could be one of Spencer's monarchs. This could be one of Spencer's little, little flying children that he released out into the world. So I'm hopefully I'm doing my part to propagate and perpetuate the species because they they definitely need help. They are, I believe they're starting to become more and more endangered. Um, but things that you can do if you love butterflies, stop spraying your yard with chemicals. That's the best thing that you can do. Start planting new uh, pollinator, you know, native plants. Get rid of a section of your yard and put native plants in. Plant milkweed. Common milkweed, butterfly weed, uh, swamp milkweed, they love all of that. Uh, and it doesn't have to be your entire yard. You can leave a little bit of the turf grass if that's what you need. Um, but even a little bit goes a long way. You become the eucatastrophe, which is the good catastrophe for these, these butterflies, bees, insects, birds, etc. A little oasis in this, you know, ever-growing wasteland of human influence. <laughs> so, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can be good stewards of this land, uh, but just by making some small changes. Okay. Let's see, yes, Don says, I'll say hi, Spencer, to the next one I see. Good. Keep me in the loop, Don. That'll be fun. All right. So what I'm going to do next is I'm going to bring up my Deccan slides again, we're going to look at Libra 2. Okay, so this is the Libra 2 Deccan that we're going to be experiencing the sun moving through from October the 3rd through October the 13th. So here we have one of those scary tarot cards that everyone kind of gets antsy about when they pull the three of swords. So you have three swords that are piercing a heart and it's raining and it's like, you know, stormy, etc. Um, this card can be challenging. This Deccan can be challenging. It's a Saturn Deccan. So it's a, a, a Saturn Deccan. It's, it's very Saturnian. It's, it's double Saturn, they would say, because it is both Saturn and the descending Chaldean order, which of rulership, 
And it's also a Saturn Deccan related to the Kabbalistic tree of life, Sephira Bina. Okay, so this is, and each, each of the energetic centers on the Kabbalistic tree of life is ruled by a planet. So we have a couple doubly planetary, doubly malefic Deccans. This one, the, th the three of swords and Libra two. And then honestly, the Scorpio one, is Mars ruled by descending Chaldean order and Mars ruled by be, being related to the Kabbalistic tree of life, Sephira Gavura. So it can be, can be challenging. There are some positive things about this um, and we will, we will break it down. Um, so some of the themes that we experience in Libra 2, if you remember in Libra one, we had a an awareness of an of a a imbalance. Maybe we, we we became aware of something that wasn't fair, and we are working in Libra two to negotiate. Okay, so there's the themes of oaths and contracts, of being bound Saturn to an agreement. So we have duties and commitments that come up in this decade. We have lasting agreements and obligations. We're trying to unify separate parties. We may keep or break a promise depending on which planet is in this decade. With Mars here, that's a challenging planet to have in this decade, potentially. We may have broken agreements with Mars moving through Libra too, but sometimes there's reasons for that contract being broken. Like sometimes there's reasons for a divorce or a separation, and then it liberates us for the for moving forward. Also, Libra 2 can also suggest committing to a relationship. So let's say you have Venus in this decan or Saturn in this decan. It could be the, 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 the binding of yourself to another. So marriages, business partnerships, vows to yourself and to others could be experienced in this decan. So questions you could ask yourself, what is required of you? What are your obligations? Becoming aware of your commitments is, is the first step to being able to meet them. Does this agreement work for both parties? What promises have you made to others or yourself? How can you negotiate a win-win situation? This Libra loves win-win situations, right? Rather than areas which just wants to dominate and win at all costs. Uh, what are the consequences of breaking your vow? This, is one, this one's important. There are consequences to breaking our agreements. And that can be very painful sometimes. Or this, this card was called the Lord of Sorrow. So it, it speaks to a broken agreement often. Um, so consider your commitments and agreements carefully. All right. I'm going to look through the chat here again. Jennifer is saying Mars is going into the underworld too. Uh, yeah. When did Mars go under the beams of the sun? This is very, I believe that was at the end of September, if I'm thinking about this correctly, but maybe it's early in the, in the month here. Yeah, that's a good observation. Um, well, we're looking for the degree of separation, so I'm going to pull up the chart again. This is why I like doing them live. Sometimes there'll be a little detail here and there that you guys catch that maybe I didn't. So let's go back a day or two. Yeah, that's a good catch there. 
So we have Mars going under the beams as well, uh, as Jennifer is pointing out, the second through the second to the third, as we move into that, oops, as we move into that second decan of Libra, okay? So another really important moment of phosis, okay, where we're seeing the uh, Mars moving into or under the beams of the sun to be reborn when it makes its Kazemi in November. So this, this could be a challenging, this is actually kind of a big, I almost, <laughs> thanks for that, Jennifer, because this is actually a pretty big deal. When Mars goes under the beams of the sun, it is, you know, being burned up by the beams before it goes Kazemi. So there could be some, some real challenges to our relationships around this period of time, especially with Mars conjoining the South Node. Uh, we may be having to let go of things that, that throw off our equilibrium. Uh, we may be having some, some conflicts behind the scenes in relationships that people don't always see. Uh, there could be some, some things that are making it difficult for us to come to balance and harmony in equilibrium. Third decade of Libra is really about making lots of small adjustments. And, and Mars in that decade could be either making us hasty about making those adjustments it could be uh there could be ethical breaches with that also so those are some things to watch out for as well but that's a good, good catch jennifer as we move into the second decade of libra all right when we go to the fourth here yeah and what, what jennifer is referring to is we are looking at 15 degree arc of separation between a planet and the sun and as we move forward through the days you can see that those planets will start to get closer together, okay, until they finally, you know, go to the Kazemi moment as well, all right? And the, uh, the Renaissance astrologers would say that a planet going under the beams of the sun was like a person taking to their sickbed. So Mars was also already debilitated by being in its exile in, in Libra, but it's going to be even more difficult to get what we want, potentially, without having to make an adjustment to someone else's needs and desires, potentially, when it moves under the beams of the sun. And that can be frustrating, especially with the North Node in Aries, where we kind of want what we want, but we, but we may have to make some adjustments to others as well. Okay. Mm, KP says, when I got to work in downtown Cleveland recently, I saw three monarchs as I parked. It felt like it was a good omen, and I thought of you, of course. Oh, that's nice, KP. Maybe my monarchs are visiting you in, in Cleveland on the way to visiting Kate or Dawn in Alabama, right? <laughs> like, so they, maybe that's part of their journey. I'm just going to choose to believe that that's the case. Um, okay. Yevgen has a comment about their Ukrainian family and the challenges that they're going through. Sorry to hear that, friend. I hope that that, that will resolve itself well. And potentially, you know, you might have some changes at, at eclipse period around that as well. But setting boundaries, you know, maybe severing a relationship with them could be helpful, uh, Yevgen. Or not the whole relationship, but maybe your involvement in their lives to help them to stand on their own two feet could be something that, that might be beneficial and, and liberate you and them to, to be able to find ways of, of helping. Although it's a tough situation, anytime you have family in a, in a 
unstable region of the world, we worry about them, right? And there's, of course, still lots and lots of difficult experiences going on in that part of the world. And I don't know, just wish you, uh, wish you and your family good fortune around that and hope everyone's hanging in there. Kate's here. Hello, Kate. Nice to see you. Uh, welcome to the chat. Uh, Tarya says Mars is escaping in Scorpio. Yeah, Mars is going to be getting out of that sticky place and going into a, a place that it, it much more enjoys being in with Scorpio. Good observation there, Tarya. Kate says Mars, Libra, South Node, Venus moving past shadow just seems like a relationship or contract is void. Yeah, definitely could be. You know, I, I would also point out that as Mars is moving into conjunction with the South Node on the 4th, um, there may be something that you're letting go of, especially when it comes to the Scorpio and Aries part of your chart. Okay, those two things could be related, right? Those, this is something that I find really interesting, especially from an author named Joy Usher. She speaks a lot about the connection of houses that are ruled by the same planet. And this is kind of a technique that I find very useful is when you have planets that are ruling two different houses, those, those topics often are very, very connected. Um, so look at your chart to see which topics, like in this case, it's career and creativity. Like if you're a cancer rising, for example, your, your, your public expression and either your kids or your creative process or how you seek pleasure or entertainment could be part of your career energy, right? Whereas if it's a different combination of, of houses, it could, it could speak to a different relationship potentially. So like you move it back one, then you'd have Scorpio on the fourth and Aries in the ninth. So your home experience could be related to your belief system or, or to maybe, maybe you live in a foreign place or something like that because, because of the connection between those two and long distance journeys and travels and things of that nature. So just some things to consider as we are moving forward here. Um, okay, so on the fourth, couple things that we'll be keeping an eye on. So of course we have the Mars South Node connection, very close to a fixed star called Arcturus. Um, it's just past Spica, which is a very fortunate fixed star. Arcturus is like a pathfinder. Arcturus is um, the plowsman. So it's it's a it's a star where we may have to be like a, a pioneer, or we might have to forge our own path. And when it's we have Mars here, maybe there's some difficulty around that. Maybe we're really wanting to forge our own path, but we're having to work with others towards it, or we're having to resolve some old challenges and situations before we can move forward with that energy. But again, the challenges that we're going to go through are going to lead to liberation when Mars moves through Scorpio, I think. I think it's going to, you know, the, the difficult aspects we're going to experience might lead to a, a feeling of, okay, now we can move forward after we've released this. The other thing that's going on on the 4th is that Mercury is going to be moving into Libra, you know, later in the day on the 4th. I've got my chart set to like midnight here, so these are just the days themselves, but this looks like the 4th and the 5th. We're going to see Mercury moving into Libra. Now, again, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, in the uh, overview, Mercury will be losing dignity as it moves from Mercury, from Virgo to Libra. 
okay? It, its host will change. It was in its own sign before, and now it's in the, in the domain or the domicile of Venus. Now, for the first couple days, Mercury is going to be able to witness its host by sextile, okay? So this is important. This, this is our, the, the way that we might be thinking about things is standing our ground, you know, defending our authenticity, things of that nature. Once Venus moves into Virgo, though, then it moves into a, a, a mutual reception with Mercury, which means that it is not able to witness Mercury, which, which, which is a problem generally, but since they are exchanging resources, they will have some kind of secret line of communication between one another. So I want you to think about the Virgo and Libra areas of your chart and how they might be communicating with one another, even though there might be some challenging circumstances in both of those houses with Mars and Libra and Venus and its fall in Virgo. The good news is, is that Mercury is moving out of the opposition with Saturn and Neptune, so things might start to get a little bit clearer. The bad news is that Venus is moving into opposition with Saturn, so there, there may be a relationship challenge where we, we are kind of starting to, to see uh, a conflict between the form that we want something to take and the dream that we might have, and I'll get to that as we get, get closer to that uh, opposition. Thank you so much, Michelle, for the super sticker. You're always so generous in these live streams. I really appreciate you. Um, yeah, folks, if you want to make a donation to the work that I'm doing, there's a little dollar sign in the chat. It's called a super sticker or super chat. It really does help me to, to free up time to do this work and to be able to continue to just, you know, pay my bills and live my life while, while continuing to do this work for you. So I appreciate that. I appreciate all the generosity of people that come and hang out in these live streams. Because I do prepare. I do prepare, friends. I prepare lots of notes for it, and I try to make sure I'm doing a good job for you. Um, okay. So that's Mercury moving into Libra. Again, we might be discussing a, a situation where we are trying to figure out if something's fair or not, where we're trying to find the right balance. We're trying to find the right equilibrium, potentially. Um, We've got Mars on the south node. We talked about that. Maybe a disruption to our peace. That three, the four of swords is related to the Libra three Deccan. And in that, in that card, we basically see someone who is resting. Maybe difficult to get rest around this period of time. Or we may have to withdraw from a situation to get the peace that we desire, potentially. Um, let's see. Jennifer says September 30th, Mars enters the underworld two degrees from Spica. Okay. Yeah, I thought I had that in my last month, month ahead. As far as the, wonder if where that is here. Well, anyway, there's only so many things the brain can, can handle at once. Sometimes we'll miss things. I'm going to blame Mercury opposite Neptune on that one, but you all are so intelligent as a group that if I miss something, and I do every once in a while, that I know that you're going you're gonna to find it, and I'm grateful for that. Okay, so we've got the fourth and the fifth here. Excuse me. When we get to the sixth, we have 
the square between the moon and the sun. So this is where we're getting to our last quarter moon. And you can see here that it's, you know, it's going to square the moon, or I'm sorry, the moon's going to square the sun at about 13 degrees of Cancer and Libra. I just have this set as at the midnight hour, so it's not there yet. But let's think about those uh, those themes potentially. The moon is going to be in its own domicile in Cancer, so a really strong moon. The sun is in its exile when it's in Libra, so a weaker sun. Doesn't mean that we can't do solar things if we're a Libra sun or if we if we're experiencing the sun through Libra, but oftentimes we will have to make compromises for another person's will when we have Libra placements. And that can that some, somewhat goes against the nature of the sun. It wants to be a singular point of consciousness. Doesn't mean that we're flawed. It doesn't mean that we can't be an individual. It just means that sometimes there will be circumstances that are brought to us that are uncomfortable or that we have to balance out other people's needs as well as our own. Now, with the moon being much stronger here, this is something where we may be dealing with a domestic challenge, like something related to our home, our, our family, our security, maybe even to a group that we are a part of. When the moon's in the second decan of cancer, it's more related to how we create harmony within you know, our friend group, our, uh, people that we share values with. You, know, you have the three of cups with that decan. You know, people, people toasting one another. It's the walled garden as well. And we may be having to, like, here's a little example of this. Like the, the moon in, I have the sun in the second decan of cancer. And I've been taking the walled garden part of that very seriously, very literally lately. So to create the private sanctuary that I desire, I've been, trying to figure out how to create more of a green fence between me and my very loud neighbors. Um, and I was researching these fast growing cypress trees. I believe they're called Leyland cypress that grow four to five feet each year and get to a height of 60 feet. <laughs> so, I would, so I'd be planting these like huge cypress trees that would eventually have this become this green fortress wall. Uh, so that I don't have to hear or see what's going on with my neighbor. Um, now, there may be something like that in your life where you're trying to figure out how to, to create a safe space, but you may have to work with others to figure out if that's going to, to work or not. There may be an oath or an agreement that is sort of coming into conflict. Maybe you'll have to let go of an idea of what a sacred sanctuary looks like. You know, I, I'm... I'm very well aware that there may be some compromises I have to make uh, in my own quest to be able to to create a peaceful, sacred sanctuary that is related to getting along with other people. Like that's been a challenge I've had in my life is because of my uh, Scorpio fourth house. I see when I was growing up, my my home environment felt threatening to me, and there was. And this is probably true for a lot of Leo Risings. Uh, and as we age, we need to start to create that internal sense of peace so that we don't see every single little thing as a threat, especially in our home or our domestic situation or with neighbors or things like that. 
I've been working hard on that lately because that, that's one of my failings or flaws right now is, is trying to not be so paranoid about my living space. Um, but it's a process. It's a journey. So there may be something like that, that comes up in your life where you, someone ha you have to balance your desires for safety and security with the needs of someone else. And there might be a negotiation that goes on around that during this last quarter moon. And you might have to let go of your ideas. Like because it's the last quarter moon, there may be a letting go process involved with that. Um, Michelle says, you're so welcome. Spencer is the best. Ninth house Virgo, 10th house Libra. Nice. Yeah, so you're having some communication, right, between the ninth and the 10th house, Michelle. And there may be some secret exchanges of resources with your career and your belief system and maybe higher education or, or something of that nature as well. Maybe even a trip, potentially. Uh, Kate says, my mother could not cope with neighbors eventually moving. Yeah, it's tough. Like, there's, there's various levels of uh, annoyance and irritation that various people can put up with. I just happen to be very sensitive to noise and to sound. So I may be an, an outlier on some level, but I have a super low tolerance for that type of stuff. And uh, th this is why it's attractive to me as a 12th house son of maybe going out and living in the country or, or living in a, 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 a maybe some land that is, has a lot of space around it. I'm not saying it's for everyone. Everyone has different levels of tolerance around that, but knowing yourself and what can be, uh, you can put up with is, is, a, is a good way to figure something out. We, we recently had a little experience here where we, we kind of got started zillowing. <laughs> like, I don't know. For those of you who have seen that SNL skit about Zillow, this is sort of a Gen X, Gen millennial type of thing where you go and fantasize on Zillow. <laughs> and I found a house in my neighborhood that was, you know, a block away from my current house that was much more private. And, but it was actually much smaller. And we spent the day kind of fantasizing and going through it and seeing if it would work to, to move to that space. It didn't end up working out. But after, after that experience, my coping mechanism was to get on Zillow and start not just looking at more private spaces in the country, but like looking at spaces in like the upper peninsula of Michigan, where I would be on like 20 acres of wooded, you know, land out by a river in the middle of nowhere on a street that you know with 700 square feet on a street that you could only access by snowmobile <laughs> so i was my coping mechanism went to the extreme of like oh i can't have this extra privacy i'm just gonna just move off the grid <laughs> you know, so there'd be challenges doing these live streams with internet access with that and, and other things like you know i have family around here and stuff so but I just thought it was funny that how our brains work sometimes when we are coping with either not getting exactly what we want or a disappointment and how we can go to extremes. So just be careful of that as you go through this season about how, especially your dreams with Saturn and Pisces right now, there's going to be some dreams that work out and some that need to just be completely let go of and, and the stories and the narratives that you're telling yourself to get through the day. Um, Reverend Kai says, as someone with the moon in the second decade of cancer, I will be looking, I, I will be looking up at 60 degrees Cypress trees, <laughs> Leland Cypress. I mean, to me, like I've been always joking about creating a green fortress around my house. Like at, I, 
I saw those and I was like, oh yeah, that's it right there. That's the private, you know, evergreen, you know, nature fortress wall that I've been dreaming about. So we'll see. I mean, you you could buy 10 of them for like 150 bucks or something online. They're only like two feet tall, but they grow four to five feet a year. <laughs> so you, by year two, they'll be like 12 feet high. So uh, yeah, check it out. It's, it's uh, We'll see how it works out. Um, yeah. Yeah, Kate says her mom came to realize that she would always be afraid, uncomfortable, regardless of compromises. Lots of target shooting range type neighbors, so danger wasn't out of the picture, re really. Yeah, that's one thing I did notice when I was, you know, a few years ago, I was looking at a, a house in the country on a farm, and I did notice that there was a lot of noise around, you know, guns and target practice and things like that. So there's always compromises that you're making and you think that you might have the type of peace and silence that you're hoping for. And then there's something else that comes. So there is some great value in learning that peace is an internal experience and not necessarily an external one. And that's some really good advice when you have planets moving through Libra three as well as you can do everything in your power to create an external environment that is perfectly balanced but there's always going to be something, you know, and you can bring peace to the circumstances by becoming centered and peaceful yourself. And that's something I've been trying to work through more is instead of finding the perfect external situation, how can I become more centered, more peaceful internally so that I will create the type of circumstances that will be more peaceful externally, like getting along with your neighbors instead of creating you know, conflict with them and then creating more, you know, unrest and chaos by just being nicer to them. Just just by letting go little little noise things, you can create a more peaceful situation just by not being annoying. <laughs> like, so I get it. I get it. We're, we're all we're we all fall short of the glory. Sometimes we're all trying to figure it out one day at a time. Don says, beware of those Leland. They blow over easily with strong storms. Ooh, that's a good point, Don. We had a lot of things uh, blow over with the ice storms recently. And if you have other suggestions of natural privacy fencing that gets pretty tall and grows fast, I'm open to it. If you have a suggestion with it. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. We, we had a lot of arborvitaes here that, that, that blew over pretty badly with the ice storm we had earlier this year. So <sighs> there's no perfect solution, is there? Kate says, I'm just saying compromises may be made. Ultimately, though, I hope for the housing market to shift, maybe present, present more peaceful opportunity. Yeah, I, I hear you, Kate. I mean, my partner and I have been open to different solutions. We've been working very hard to create a peaceful sanctuary here and to change our lives to be able to afford our mortgage and things like that. Um, but also staying open-minded to different situations as well. You know, like this is the flexibility that comes in to be able to solve problems that I think is really important. Okay, let's keep going, friends. Let's keep going. So that's the last quarter moon between Cancer and Libra. The other thing I will say about this last quarter moon is that the, the sun itself is going to be very close to a fixed star called Algarab. Whereas the moon, and you don't see it in this chart, but as the moon moves closer to 13, 14 degrees, be fairly close to the fixed star Sirius. So Algarab is about 
the crow that was distracted by all the earthly delights, right? So this is something where it was, a, it was someone who had been given a task, the crow, to fill the sacred cup of Apollo. And he failed to do so. He failed to honor his contract because of distraction. So I would say that this is also another period to try to either honor your contracts, eliminate distractions, try not to get sidetracked by shiny objects or whatever it is, so that you can create the type of safe, peaceful sanctuary that you desire in your own life. So that's another warning about that potentially, okay? So conflicts between commitments and family issues, but also potential distractions, awareness of those distractions with the sun. Whenever the sun's on a fixed star, we, we definitely get an awareness of those energies. Mm. Let's see. Kate says, maybe they'll move. Yeah, I... I <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, Yevgen, for the super sticker. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Um, I live in a, a college town, and I live in a house that used to be two units, like a rental. I rented for a number of years, and the two houses surrounding me are big houses with multiple units and rentals, and it's very, it is very transient. So, some, so there has been a lot of people in and out of these houses, some neighbors are better than others and this one house next to me though is it's it's a constant stream of problematic folks when one problem moves out another moves in it's just kind of the way that the energy is set up there so maybe there is a magical solution or something we'll we'll see or maybe i just plant a 60 foot wall of trees <laughs> like that's another thing all right let's keep going so when we get to the eighth and the few days leading up to the 8th, we have one of the more challenging aspects of the month. So this is in conjunction with the, I would say, the energy of that last quarter moon. Here we have a square between Mars and Pluto. Mars-Pluto aspects are probably one of my least favorite astrological aspects. Um, they bring an intensity. They sometimes can bring some violent circumstances. Um, they can be very, uh, if you are in a battle, if you are in a conflict, they can bring out some really underhanded methods, potentially. Um, they can also help us to move on from a toxic circumstance, though. So that, that, those are some of the, the positive parts of it. So Mars and Libra 3, we may be really trying to bring about in equilibrium, but we may be running up against the corruption in a system, the corruption in a bureaucratic system, the corruption in the way something's organized. It's a, it's a Saturn sign, right, Capricorn? We have four of pentacles energy with, with Pluto in that Deccan, and we have uh, four of swords energy with Mars in the Libra Deccan. So our, our peace our, our equilibrium may be disturbed by some of the, the bureaucratic challenges that are unearthed with this. So if you do get in a fight, if you are having a conflict, just be patient. Try not to, try not to, to have any ethical lapses 
because that can be really damaging both to yourself and to the other party. Now, this is the, this is a conflict that's going to be to preface Venus moving into Virgo and immediately opposing Saturn. So if we move this forward a day, you'll see that by the end of this Mars-Pluto square, Venus will be in, in Virgo and it'll be opposing Saturn and Pisces. Okay, so I think those two things are related. Um, Don says, I love Colorado Cypress, I think it is. They smell like oranges, and when you brush against them, they grow super fast and are really fat. Ooh, Colorado Cypress. Okay, I'll check that out. Are they more hardy than the, than the Lelands? Because um, if they are, that's, that's good to know as well. Um, I'll check that out. I love that. For the, 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 that would be nice with the smells. I've got a wall of arborvitae there that the previous owners planted, but they grow just so slow and they don't get as tall as I would like them to get. And these are pretty tall houses. These are tall Victorian houses where you can just kind of see into one another's homes, basically. And it's and there's space in between, but it would be really nice to look at some trees rather than their house. Um, so Venus moving into Virgo opposing Saturn after the conflict of the Mars-Pluto square. So you may have run into a challenging circumstance, especially with a bureaucratic process that is disturbing your peace. As Venus loses dignity, moving into its fall, basically, in Virgo, it's going to immediately go into an opposition with Saturn. Venus-Saturn oppositions can be challenging to relationships. They can be uh, they can be the ending of something. They can be a, a blockage or an obstruction in a relationship. They can bring a coldness to something. Uh, you may be attracted to learning a new skill with Venus in the first decade of Virgo, but it may be coming into conflict with your, uh, your dream or the narratives and mythologies that you've been telling yourself, right? This is Saturn in the first decade of Pisces, where there's something about maybe committing to the hard work versus maybe even a desire to escape into our imaginations. So reality versus imagination may come into a conflict here as well. So if you're into the tarot decans, you've got the seven, or I'm sorry, the eight of pentacles opposing the eight of cups. In the eight of pentacles, we see a figure that is working very hard at their craft and trying to bring essence into form. In the Eight of Cups, you see a figure that is leaving material success behind. They've, they've attained some success. There's an eclipsed moon. There's someone walking away in the marshes, right? So there may be this kind of, do I stay or, or should I go now? You know, if I stay, there could be trouble. If I go, it will be double. But I really wanna know, should I stay or should I go? So. Just be patient with yourself and with other people. Again, try not to, to fight uh, out of alignment with your own integrity. Um, try also not to get too utterly fixated on form. I want you to, to internalize this mantra that I always talk about on this channel. You know, essence, essence is eternal. Form is what is changeable. 
connect with the essence of something and allow the form to change. You know, if you get so fixated on the form, you can lose track of your why. You get so fixated on the how, you lose track of your why. You know, and it's really super important to be able to understand your why because it can completely change the method that you use when you are clear about why you're doing something. And again, Saturn in Pisces, first decan, is really helping us review our beliefs and our, and our viewpoints. It's helping us review the mycelial networks of our dream life, of our narrative stories that help shape our reality behind the scenes. Every one of us has a script going in the background of our lives that we acquired either through the good experiences of our life and through the negative ones. And we continue to take action and to create our lives around that script. Saturn is, is challenging that script right now. It says, is this script beneficial to you and others? Or is it something you need to let go of so that you can make positive changes to move forward? All right. Uh, Yevgen says, I have Saturn at 14 degrees retrograde in the 10th in cancer. I've been building that wall since 2004. Yep, there you go. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so literal. The uh, I really am in super uh, grateful. I'm really grateful for Austin Kopic's work, 36 Faces. And he calls that the walled garden. And such an amazing book. Um, T. Susan Chang's 36 Secrets is incredible as well. She also talks about some of those themes. And just, just kind of being able to protect your sensitivity to create healthy growth, I think, is another theme of that decade. It doesn't have to be a walled garden. It's just any circumstance where you are creating a safe space. And that's been a big, big mission of mine with the sun in that decade, especially with my classes and things like that, creating safe spaces for healthy growth. Okay, let's keep going. So after we have the opposition between Venus and Saturn, that same day, Pluto is going to be stationing direct. So after we have the conflict of Mars and Saturn, or sorry, Mars and Pluto, after we have the exact opposition of Venus and Saturn, Pluto stations direct. So Pluto is a planet that helps us to unearth things that we've repressed. It helps us to make changes on a bigger scale. It is an achemical planet. Robert Schmidt, one of the founders of Project Hindsight, who rediscovered ancient Hellenistic astrology, likened Pluto to a transcendental Mercury. Um, Mercury being a planet that sort of stirs up all the elements. It's, it, it tries to find the right mixture. And Pluto does this on an intense scale. And thank you so much, Scarlett, for your super sticker. I super appreciate you. So Pluto is, is helping us to make the changes that we need to make. I, I also heard a, a, a very wise astrologer, his name's Alan White, describe it as Pluto makes... Uh, big things small and small things big. 
Like think about like taking a tiny little atom and creating an atomic bomb out of it or minimizing something. This is something that we also like with the thing like Ant-Man or something, taking something big and turning it small. There's atomic processes associated with that. So Pluto is, when it moves direct again, we may be able to make some of those achemical changes that we need to make. Think about the process we've been going through with the caterpillars and the butterflies. This is, this is Anne Ortley's favorite metaphor for this. When a caterpillar is turning into a, a chrysalis, it, it, it has to melt its entire body. And it, and it melts that form and it becomes something completely different. And that can be a scary process that happens behind the scenes, behind the scenes of the chrysalis, the pupa stage, right? But it is happening nonetheless. So a lot of plutonic changes we're seeing taking place are happening without, not always with our awareness, our conscious awareness. They're happening behind the scenes. They're happening underground. They're happening in the mycelial networks of our life. And they're intense. Oftentimes when you have planets that are contacting Pluto, then you have like that that plumber experience where if someone something was repressed or these changes, if we ignored something, that planet is saying, you can't ignore this anymore. It's it's needs to come to light for you to deal with it. So we maybe with that Pluto square with with Mars, we may be having to deal with our anger, maybe having to deal with uh passive aggressive anger where we're not being direct about our arguments this is one of the challenges of mars and libras we're not going to directly express our anger we're going to be angry on behalf of somebody else or we're going to be uh, pretending to be nice but be seething underneath the surface so there may be something like that that is that is coming up okay uh, jennifer says how does chiron work with saturn and pisces first duck in i have it there natally <laughs> Well, I don't work with Chiron as much as some other astrologers, but my, my basic understanding of Chiron, which is an asteroid, is twofold. One, that it is potentially a wound that is unhealable. Uh, it, I've heard other astrologers talk about it as a place where we, a blind spot that we may have, but since Chiron was a centaur that was a teacher of various arts, and he was, he was wounded, right? He was wounded by one of the poisonous arrows of Hercules. And he eventually just suffered through that wound and had to request that he be allowed to die at one point. And, but since we, if we combine those two themes of the unhealable wound and the teacher qualities of Chiron, we may be able to teach others about the wound that we're experiencing, but we may have a blind spot around it ourselves. So, for example, I have Chiron in the second decan of Taurus, very close to my moon and my midheaven. I spend a lot of time teaching people about patience, about perseverance, about finding the right rhythms in their life. Oftentimes I find it difficult to create that similar type of rhythm in my own life without going to extremes, without trying to do too much. But I'm very good at teaching people <laughs> the ways to do it. Uh, so with Pisces, maybe you have a, uh, a wound around the mythologies that you're telling yourself, Jennifer. Um, maybe you're able to help people understand the, the spider webs that connect us, the mycelial networks that connect us, that are beneath the surface, that are hidden, uh, 
the stories that create and craft our lives, but maybe there's a blind spot that you have around that in your own life. So it would, it, it, your healing might come through accepting that there are, there are narratives beyond the veil that are helping to shape your reality. And with Saturn there, getting real about which of those dreams are actually helpful and which ones are, aren't serving you and others. I hope that's helpful. Um, so after this stationing direct of Pluto on October 11th, we are going to begin our void of course moon, our Hellenistic void of course moon right here. And that's going to happen uh, around 5 o'clock in the morning Eastern time, right as the moon makes a trine to Jupiter. So this is the way you can kind of figure out these void of course moons. So the last aspect that the moon's going to make is the trine to Jupiter. And then once it hits 13 degrees of Virgo, it is going to be void. It's not going to make any other traditional planet aspects. No trines, no oppositions, no squares, until it comes into a conjunction with Mercury at roughly 16 degrees of Libra. Okay, And Mercury isn't at 16 degrees in the chart here, but on uh, the, let's see, how many days is this going to be? Four days, three or four days, three days. The three days leading up to the eclipse. So it's going to be void until the 14th of October, until it hits the conjunction with Mercury at 16 degrees of Libra. So this is a 11.05 a.m. for Jupiter trine, sorry. That, that's when it starts, 11.05 a.m. Eastern through the trine to Jupiter, and then it will cease to be void, of course, at 4.57 a.m. on the 14th Eastern time. So what do we do about that? One thing that I think is instructive is look at the area that this is going to be in your life. Where is Virgo and Libra for you? For me personally, there's Virgo is going to be the second house in my chart, in my Leo rising chart. So the way that I'm probably going to act around this time is I'm probably not going to make huge purchases around this period of time. It, I would, if I was advising my, myself or a Leo rising, I would say, you know, maybe hold off on that big purchase between the void, of course, on October 11th till the, till the eclipse on the 14th. Because there's, there's going to be things that are going to be changing in your situation at the eclipse where you might not want to take a bunch of actions right before it. Because there's new wild cards that might be coming up around that. So you could look at this in your own case as well. Like, like this is a Cancer Rising chart. Uh, this could be something in the third house. You might want, not want to change up your routines, you know, significantly in those three days because something may be changing within your home life. Okay, then then you can you can do this in your own chart. Like if it was in the tenth house, you might not want to make a big change in your career because there's something changing in the groups that you're associated with, and so on and so forth. So void of course moods 
basically were seen as a wandering moon where they were you know in a in a place where they just didn't have a lot of support from other planets and i find that the best way to deal with those moons is to just release expectations about what's supposed to happen during that period of time it's good for releasing things especially 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 with the balsamic moon phase that this void of course is going to be under it's a great time to let go and tie up loose ends clean out the garage clean out the attic get rid of some shit in your house get rid of habits that don't serve you get rid of some details that are some forms that aren't working get rid of some things in your schedule that aren't working okay so you can be ready for that new moon eclipse that's going to be happening on the 14th okay thank you so much don for your super sticker appreciate you today and your generosity it says heading out to pick up piper listening but unable to chat have a great week yeah thanks don and, and say hi to those monarchs when they come come visit you down there in bama roll tide right <laughs> oh how are they doing this year but they're doing all right they're always doing all right um let's see hopefully you're not an auburn fan instead of a bama fan <laughs> i didn't offend you <laughs> like in that case go tigers okay uh let's see so that's the void of course moon okay october 11th through october 14th 13 degrees virgo to 16 degrees of libra and if you have planets in that decan you might might feel or in that space you might feel this void of course you might feel a little aimless but again it's it's a balsamic moon phase before an eclipse amazing time to just clear the decks release expectations i wouldn't start things during that period of time anything super important i mean you can you can go to the grocery store you can do various things there's, there's life that has to be lived but if it's like a major decision maybe wait okay let go of things during this period. All right. As we get to the 12th, we are going to see Mars improving its dignity. So this says the 13th, but it moves into Scorpio on the 12th because I'm on a midnight chart here. So Mars moving into Scorpio. We are preparing for the eclipse we are seeing mars move out of libra out of its exile which is an improvement the conflict may be over potentially with the relationship with the bureaucratic force whatever it is we're starting to see venus separate from its opposition to saturn so the pressure from that will start to be relieved we will see mars immediately moving into a trine with saturn around the 13th so it moves into Scorpio and immediately trines Saturn so now we have the malefics trining one another Mars is in the Deccan associated with the five of cups this is the most martial Deccan in the zodiac it's a Mars ruled sign it's Mars ruled by Chaldean descending order and it's a Mars ruled Sephira Gabura in the Kabbalistic tree of life. There is probably going to be letting go and separations in this decade. 
Mars is helping us to let go of habits that don't serve us anymore, relationships that don't serve us. There could be some grief around that period of time. There, that card speaks to grief. There's three spilled cups, but two that remain. So even though we may be mourning a loss, it is important to shift our perspective towards gratitude to be able to cross over the, the bridge across the river to the castle of fulfillment. Okay? Sometimes we have to let go of things so that we can move on and move forward. We may become aware of habits that we need to let go of around this period of time that are interfering with our happiness or our equilibrium. And Mars is going to be there to help. Mars is the, is the great composter in Scorpio. It's the great severer of spirit from the body. I really like the way of thinking about Mars and Aries as severing from the spiritual collective to infuse into a body, okay, as we move from Aries to Taurus, to unify into a body, into an individual consciousness. When we have Mars moving through Scorpio, we are severing spirit from the body and returning the body to the earth and liberating that spirit to find a new form, the transition from Scorpio to Sagittarius. We're liberating energy that can be used in a new goal, in a new enthusiasm. But we have to go through the, the composting process first. It's not easy, an easy process. Sometimes it can be painful. As human beings, we don't like letting go of things that we've had in our lives, but it's a necessary one. Because if we hold on too tightly, and the story of the Scorpio Deccans tells us this, if we hold on too tightly to old forms that aren't serving us or bringing us vitality anymore, that's when we end up in the third Deccan of debauchery, the Lord of debauchery, where we, we become this necromancer trying to keep something alive that isn't working or isn't vital. So Mars is going to be trining Saturn and saying, which of these dreams do you need to let go of? Which of these things that you've been holding on to so tightly needs to be let go of finally? Mars is going to help you. Mars is going to help you to get real about which of those dreams is going to become real. Saturn is concretizing it. And which of them are just going to be like, nope, that one just isn't going to work. You got to let that one go. If you keep holding on to that dream, you're just going to continue to suffer. You keep holding on to that old limiting narrative, only evil will be produced, potentially. And I say that not just the evil that we may do unto others, but the evil that we do to ourselves. Okay? The way that we beat ourselves up by holding on to old traumas and fears that keep us in bondage. And this might be a moment that will help you to, to liberate from some of those. Okay, so that is the end of our exploration of Libra 2, and we will move to Libra 3. Let's take another little break here. Welcome, my friend Devin, to the chat. How you doing, Devin? Says, save the pollinators. I feel like, feel like Back to the Future, save the clock tower, if you remember that from Back to the Future. I feel the same way. I've been planting native plants. I've been raising monarch caterpillars into butterflies just we have a responsibility to change our habits to be able to continue to inhabit this earth right so yeah devin's listening from the butcher block nice well make a make some delicious 
charcuterie for me, Devin. Devin's an awesome butcher and makes some really amazing, amazing food. And um, yeah, I wish we lived closer so I could uh, taste the wares, friend. <laughs> Love all of it. You have to send me something at some point. Maybe we could trade, you know, Maybe we could trade some time for some uh, charcuterie. <laughs> I don't know how well that stuff ships, but we'll see. Uh, Jennifer says, yes, that's very helpful. Thank you. It's definitely hard to come out of the clouds and down to reality, but have been more aware these past few months. Yeah. And, you know, it's a process. Be patient with yourself during that process. All right, friends, one more stretch. We're going to talk about Libra 3, and then we'll talk about Scorpio 1. We're going a little bit, whoops, we're going a little bit longer today. Uh, just because we have so much astrology to get to. Sorry, I'm just running into all the things in my office here. Usually we've been trying to keep these to two hours with the new moons and whatnot, but we're going to go a little longer today just because we have a lot to get to. And if you have to pop out and pop back in, that's okay. I know this is a long time to listen. I'm just putting this out as a resource for you so that you can come and revisit it at various times during the month as well. It's a lot of information to process right now, but some of the things that might not make sense now in your life, if you revisit this closer to the time that we're talking about, it all becomes clear. It all falls into place. I often revisit my notes over the course of the month and like, oh, okay. I had an inkling of what that could be, but now I understand in much greater detail what that could mean. Okay. Y'all stretched out? Oh, do me a favor, friends. If you're new here, please uh, like and subscribe. Like the video. Share it with your friends. Tell your friends about Spencer Michelle Astrology in this channel. Share the videos. Share it on your Instagram stories. Subscribe to me on Instagram and threads. Uh, make sure you sign up for my newsletter. Uh, I have a Deccan Walk that's coming up October 2nd. We're going to be starting that Monday. So sign up now because we're, we're getting really close to the time when it's going to start. So if you reach out to me, if you need to make arrangements for that. Uh, Deccans of Virgo is still on sale until the 23rd. Um, this is the final day of my Third Coast Mojo Partners giveaway. So if you go to her Instagram at Third Coast Mojos, subscribe to her Instagram Sign up for her email newsletter, like the post, tag a friend for an extra chance to win, and you might be able to win some beautiful, magically elected oils, herbs, etc. That will be that drawing will be later this evening, so don't don't delay. Go over there today and uh, support her wonderful work. She works really hard, and she she deserves all the good things in life and the encouragement too. I think that leave her a nice comment on the way there. Okay, uh, Yevgen, uh, Don says, let's see, we greatly appreciate their insights and the offering. Yeah, nice, Don. Okay. Um, Yevgen says, my Chiron in the seventh is the wound about being gay. I can't stop being fat, but I can reach others. Oh my goodness, I'm trying to parse this out. I can reach out to others who are gay to love themselves no matter what, even though my family won't understand me fully. All right, there's a lot to unpack in that statement, but um, 
Yeah, maybe maybe relationships are something that you felt wounded by not feeling understood with your sexuality and things of that, Yevgen. But maybe you're, like you were saying, you're helping other people to feel comfortable with themselves and to feel all right to be who they want to be and who they want to love, right? I would go easy on yourself with the, the body image and things like, you know, we all have some some challenging self self-esteem issues but i've seen what you look like friend you look fine you're you're doing okay you know you have those wonderful head yevgen makes these amazing headdresses like the really cool like sequin stuff just really beautiful stuff so keep up the good work and and you know keep helping other people feel comfortable just being being themselves i think that's a great way to use that that chiron uh, Reverend Kai says, I so enjoy your deep dives, worth every rewound and repeated minute. Oh, thanks, Reverend Kai. I appreciate that. Thanks for the positive feedback. Makes me feel good about the work I'm doing here. Jennifer says, is the story of Mars trying Saturn applied to other zodiacal signs, i.e. Gemini and Aquarius? Um, yes, but there, the themes will be different, right? So... I mean, in Gemini, I think Gemini, let's say, let's, let's give a small example, short example, so we don't go too long today. Um, let's say that we have Gemini 3, Mars and Gemini 3, trining Saturn in the third decan of Aquarius. There you have the Seven of Swords card uh, trining the, um, the Ten of Swords. Mars is the Ten of Swords, okay, where you may have to let go of a number of thoughts and ideas that you are experiencing to be able to move on from a situation. The third decan of Aquarius talks about, it talks about a failing plan on some level, but I also think of that decan as saying, it's really time to leap into the unknown, to move on from a situation. Whereas the third decan of Leo talks about standing your ground, third decan of Aquarius is like, nope, it's time to go, right? So, so being able to make a choice finally and, and eliminate one of the choices can help you move on. That, so that's one example of, of Mars trining Saturn in those particular signs. I hope that's helpful for you. Okay, friends, I'm going to pull up my webinar of uh, Libra one more time here. And we will break it down. Break it down again. No more sleepy dreaming, no more building up. It is time to recede. Bum, 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 bum. That's my, one of my favorite Tears for Fear songs. Fresh news from the bowers. It's <laughs> a funny one. That's a great tune, though. Like, that's a good song, Sowing the Seeds of Love. I mean, they really. If you really listen to the Tears for Fears, sorry to go on a digression here, but they really have a lot of Beatles influence and had just as much com layering complexity on some of their later work as the Beatles did on some of their like Sgt. Pepper stuff. It's just really, they, they utilized all that 80s synth technology to I think its highest potential in my opinion. And yes, we could, you know, argue about the, the quality of those sounds, but I do think that they did a great job with it. I really love that band. Hey, Libra Queen is here. It says, hello, new subscriber. Well, welcome, my friend. 
Uh, and I'm glad that you're able to join us for the live stream. Uh, I hope that you are finding the chat a, a welcoming place. And um, yeah, feel free to leave me a comment and, and whatnot. And um, glad you're here, friend. Okay, I'm assuming you're a Libra <laughs> or a Libra rising. So we'll, we'll try to break this down for you. So let's go and talk about Libra 3. So Libra 3, you can see the Four of Swords associated with this here. Um, we have a, a, a spirit called Nemesis, who was the, a goddess who restored right proportion. And as I mentioned earlier, we have the randomness of 2K or fortune, the random distributions of fate that can be unsettling. And Nemesis is sort of the counterpart to that that helps restore balance. So themes of Libra 3, being feeling like we're, we're in the eye of the storm, where there's chaos around us, but we have this peaceful center. Making adjustments to maintain our equilibrium, like maintenance mode, right? Um, connecting with the hub of the wheel. Oh, I like that one. I like that one. I, I wrote this on here, but sometimes reminding myself of this is good. Uh, yeah, because we have the ups and downs, the twists and turns, but we, if we connect with the center, we feel that stability that we wouldn't if we get allow ourselves to be tossed and turned with every turn of the wheel. Um, actions that stabilize the randomness of fortune. Now, keep in mind, this is the decan where that new moon solar eclipse is going to be. So that a lot of these themes are related to that new moon solar eclipse. Receiving your due. So Nemesis also is like, <laughs> like keep in mind, this decan also is the, where the exaltation of Saturn is. 21 degrees of Libra right where the eclipse is, the exaltation of Saturn. So you're going to get everything you deserve at that uh, eclipse, for better or for worse. That's what Nemesis teaches us, is if you've put in the work, you'll get the positive results of that. If you've been shirking your responsibilities, that will also bring you, you know, whatever you have invested in. So mental discipline and poise. I have a friend, Shu, my friend Shu, who uh, is very poised. She has Saturn at this, I believe, in this decan. And she just has this wonderful balance and equilibrium about her. And, uh, you know, we may be able to exemplify that while the sun's in this decan as well. We may have an awareness of what we need to do to have that type of balance and equilibrium. So questions you could ask yourself during the sun in this period uh, is, what adjustments are necessary to maintain your harmony? How can you find your center within an ever-changing cosmos? What excesses need consolidation and lack needs increase? So what excesses do you need to reduce and what things do you need to increase? Okay, that's the thing about Libra. It's, it's, you can get off balance, but you can, oftentimes Libra folks, myself included with the part of spirit in Libra, I will often in relationships or in client work almost do the opposite of, the, of, of any energy I feel is excessive. If someone is very insecure in a in a reading, I will do my best to be like the cheerleader, right? To like build up their self-esteem, to take that opposite energy. If someone is very arrogant, I actually will do the opposite and I will try to help them to, to maybe find humility within their reading. Um, it, both have, has happened. And this is, this is a Libra quality. And then you, you do both of those things gently. You, you, you try not to tear someone down if they're, if they're you know, feeling a little bit too high on the, on the hog. Because a lot of the times, 
that energy is hiding fear and insecurity. So you, you have to be very careful about that. But trying to be realistic about our capabilities is important. So let's see. What other questions? What gifts and challenges are you due, right? Uh, where is your mental discipline required? And how can you bring your internal peace into your external environment? Okay. Jennifer says, that's interesting. So you can relate it to the Deccans and the tarot for a deeper meaning. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is one of the benefits of going on the Deccan walk with me, friends, is I've spent a lot of time studying this particular technique to, to uncover more specific meanings within the signs. And I hope to be able to teach you how to do that through, through chart example after chart example after chart example. That's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to, you know, you have access to all of these uh, talks where I go in depth about all of the decans. And then we're going to discuss it and break down charts. We're going to, you, you'll have access to me to ask questions. If you're confused about things, we will be able to use each other's charts. We're probably going to have a somewhat of a small group. It's not going to be a huge group. So there'll be lots of personal attention. And um, yeah, I hope that you'll join me for that. I'm really excited about it. I love this technique. And I, I feel like it has an enormous amount of benefit in this work that we do. So let's pull up the chart once again. And we'll talk about the astrology that we are going through during Libra 3. All right, so here Libra 3 is the time period between roughly October the 13th, 14th, okay? It's going to move into Libra 3 here. You can see 20 degrees Libra on the end of the day on the 13th through the time that it moves into Scorpio, which is the uh, 22nd or the, the 23rd. Yeah, the 23rd of October, it moves in Scorpio. So the beginning of Libra 3 is basically eclipse time. So this is, remember, we are, we are still, we we're finishing up that void of course moon. And then here is our eclipse. So we've got our eclipse, our new moon solar eclipse, 1.55 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it is conjoining the south node. So again, we we're going to be, Probably releasing some things, especially related to your Leo and Cancer areas of your life, because the sun and the moon rule those areas. Mercury is co-present with the eclipse. Uh, Mars has moved out of the, the picture here. It's, it's not that far away from the south node, but it's not in the same sign. Um, what, a couple of interesting things about this, and I'll break this down in depth uh, as we go along. And Angela is asking, do you incorporate Deccans with the Egyptian bounds too, or is it one or the other? Apologies, it's a stupid question. So still beginner in a shot. No, that's not a stupid question, Angela. All these questions are good. Questioning is the sign of intelligence, in my opinion. Um, you can overlap both of those systems, the Deccans. And you can see this in the charts that I have here. I have on the middle ring here, the Decanic rulers. And on the inside ring, I have the bound rulers. So they can give you different information about different topics. Like the bound rulers can talk to you about who's setting the curriculum in your life, which planet you're going to, whose rules you're going to have to follow. Um, 
I believe there's also, you know, there's timing techniques that are associated specifically with Bound Lords. Face and Deccan rulers speak to almost like skills and talents that we can uh, manifest under our own power. Like if you have a planet in a in a Deccan that is ruled by uh, its own, you know, face ruler, you may be able to make your way without su support of another, right? Like if you have a planet in its own triplicity, sometimes you have the support of a community. When you have a planet in its own face, you're able to kind of, you have almost like a secret superpower that you are able to do. Like, for example, I have the moon in Taurus exalted in its own face. So one of my secret superpowers, despite Chiron being there, is creating healthy growth and routines, like being able to nurture things into fruition. Like I'm good with plants. I'm good with creating curriculum that will help nurture people. I, I try to be comforting in my, in my public life, at least. <laughs> like, I don't know if my neighbors would say the same thing, but I'm a little bit more curmudgeon-y when it comes to like just wanting my privacy. But when it comes to the work that I do, I'm always trying to create peace and trying to create a positive experience for people who come to the channel and, and things of that nature. So I think that one of the, the things that we're going through here I hope that answers your question, Angela, as far as bound, bound and Deccan rulers. Um, so with this eclipse, let's talk about the eclipse. A couple of things I'm noticing is that it is, first of all, the, the main aspect that it's making, and it's not making very many. Yes, it is co-present with Mercury, but Mars is in a version, Saturn's in a version, Jupiter's in a version, Venus is in a version, but Pluto is square. So this could be a continuation of some of the themes that we are talking about with Mars squared Pluto, because both the Sun, Moon, and Mercury are all going to square Pluto shortly after this eclipse. So a continuation of those themes of how do we find our inner peace in situations where we're dealing with maybe external material forces that are, you know, have been neglected for a period of time. So th that could be part of this. The host of the moon, lunation, sun, etc., is Venus. And Venus is going to be in, oops, Venus is going to be in the first decade of Virgo, in its fall, not a great place for Venus, although it is in mutual reception with Mercury. So that's something to think about. Venus in the first decan of Virgo may make us very hyper-focused on the form, on the details of things. We may be attracted to learning new skills. So that's something that we might be able to think about around this. Maybe we need to learn some new skills to deal with the challenging circumstances we've been ignoring for a long time with Pluto and Capricorn and be able to find the peaceful solution inner equilibrium that we need. We need to learn some new skills. What I will say when Venus is in Virgo though is just be flexible about the form that all of that takes because you know obviously we still have the whole sign opposition with Venus and Saturn and then we're going to be moving into an opposition with Neptune too so be clear about your details, but don't get obsessed with them, if that makes sense. 
Okay. Um, so that's this. This is the the eclipse. The other thing that we'll experience with this is we have the first aspect. Let's see. What is the first aspect that's going to happen after this one? I don't think it is the conjunction with Mars. I'm just going to go forward a few hours here, see what we're going to do. We're looking for the separation of 15 degrees, and then the first aspect that happens after the eclipse is escaped from the bond. Okay, So what that means is that the moon is sort of held from manifesting or, or creating things when it is within 15 degrees of the sun. So here we have, we're getting closer, around six degrees, okay, of Scorpio. And what is the aspect that we're looking at here? I think it's a sextile with Virgo, Venus. So that to me looks like our first aspect. Uh, it also potentially could be the opposition with Jupiter. Um, so this is sort of where we're going like, oh, is it this or is it that? This, it's very close. We'd be really part splitting hairs if we were thinking about that. But regardless, the first aspect is actually a contact, a positive as contact with a benefic planet. To me, that's always a positive sign for a, a lunation is, is the first aspect with a malefic or a benefic planet? And is it a hard or a soft aspect? Is it a square or an opposition or is it a trine or a sextile? So here we have a trine or a sextile. I'm sorry, actually a sextile or an opposition with Jupiter. Mm, that complicates things a little bit, sorry. This was one detail I thought I'd written down, but I hadn't thought through completely. Um, if it's the sextile with Venus, we may be able to let go of something and let go of the detailed analysis of something to be able to bring harmony and equilibrium. If it's the opposition with Jupiter, we may have to really start to balance out how we give and receive resources to others and how connected we are with them emotionally. One of the things that starts to happen towards the end of the month and into November is all of these Libra planets are going to be moving into Scorpio and opposing Jupiter in Taurus and then eventually Uranus in Taurus. So that can complicate things like our own desires to be independent versus being very closely bonded with another, which is a Scorpio signification as well. Growth versus decay, you know, compost versus planting seeds. So th those are themes that we may have to work out also. Uh, so we have some questions about personal chart things. Yevgen, I'm going to have to move forward with that today, bud, because we're I got to keep going on the, the astrology of the month, but, you know, reach out for a reading if you want me to break all those things down in depth, or I'm going to have a Q&A for Libra season coming up uh, maybe next week where, I'm, where I will have much more time to, to, to break down personal chart questions. So I'm sorry I can't get to those today, but, but appreciate you being here. Okay, let's move forward. Okay, let's go to... The 22nd. So after, um, not the 22nd, we skipped way ahead here. Um, when we get to the 17th, 
like a few days after the eclipse, the moon will be out of bounds until the 22nd. So right as the moon is moving into Sagittarius, we're going to have an out-of-bounds moon for a, a few days. Again, remember to take good care of your body after the eclipse. Maybe we're exhausted after the energy of the eclipse. Um, maybe we have a p positive new start for letting go of distractions or things that, that bring us outside of our equilibrium. But just take good care. Practice good self-care during those out-of-bounds moons. All right, when we get to the 18th, you can see here that we have the sun coming into a conjunction with the south node. So we'll have a succession between the 18th and the 19th. We're going to have the sun hit the south node and then Mercury hitting the south node at 24 degrees of Libra, which is very close to that fixed star Arcturus that I was talking about. Arcturus being an innovator, a plowsman, someone who who domesticated the land that, that, that uh, helped the transition from a hunter-gatherer society to an agricultural society. So there could be something related to um, becoming more domesticated around this period of time. I want you to pay attention to the Leo part of your chart um, because when we have any planet conjoining the south node, there's energy that's leaving the plane of existence. So there may be something where we're having to let go of something that is related to our Leo topic. Uh, like if you're a Leo rising like me, maybe you're just feeling a sense of vitality where it is sort of you're losing vitality or you're just kind of feeling tired or something like that. Uh, if it's a fifth house, you know, Leo, like in this chart of Aries, maybe there's something related with your kids that is ending. Maybe there's something with a partner since it's actually in the seventh house that is ending that's related to your kids or that's related to how you seek pleasure in your life. So see, see how I'm connecting the dots between all of these? And then as we get into the 19th, Mercury will, will make that conjunction with the south node. So then what you will do is you'll look at the, the Virgo and the Gemini area of your chart and those topics to see what might be needing a loose, tying up of a loose end. So in this random Aries chart, third house and sixth house, maybe something related to your health, the routines that you have in your life, a learning process may be coming to a completion or needing to, a release. And this is leading us on October the 20th to a Mercury Kazemi. So here is the Mercury Kazemi, which is a fancy word for the conjunction of the sun and Mercury. Now it says 27 degrees on the screen, but it actually happens around 26 degrees of Libra. So this is a moment of awareness. This is a moment of being renewed in the heart of the sun. So whatever themes that you are experiencing through the Libra area of your chart that are related to both the Leo, Gemini, and Virgo topics of your life, we're going to find a renewal, okay? And this renewal could be a realization of what needs to be let go of. What do you need to let go of to return to harmony and balance? What is out of alignment and out of equilibrium that you can let go of so that you can continue to provide maintenance mode for your life? 
to, to make the small adjustments that you need to make to be successful and to feel at peace. So a really powerful moment. Pay attention to the messages you receive on Friday, October the 20th. And we'll, we'll probably be right here live streaming during the Mercury Kazemi. So we can break that down in depth on that day as well. The other thing to consider as Mercury Kazemis on October the 20th is that it will be making an exact square to Pluto. Both the Sun and Mercury are going to be squaring Pluto. Okay. So between the 20th and the 21st, Mercury and the Sun are going to make that square to Pluto as the Kazemi is happening. So for us to be able to return to peace, equilibrium, harmony, etc., we're going to have to face the darkness. We're going to have to face whatever we've repressed. It may be something where, uh, regarding our finances. The third decan of Capricorn talks a lot about also how we wield authority, you know, the, the responsibilities that we've taken on, an awareness of all, the, all of the burdens that we take on. So we may have to think long and hard about how we administrate our life, about the organization of our material resources, what is enough and what is not enough. Uh, you could see in the Four of Pentacles with that third decan of Capricorn, someone holding on very tightly to their resources. Maybe we need to let go. Maybe we need to examine if we're hoarding a resource or if we need to share as well. Maybe that returns something to harmony. So a lot of considerations. What I would suggest is the combination of the Sun square Pluto and Mercury square Pluto. The Sun square Pluto can be uh, challenging experiences with authority figures and power dynamics. Uh, I actually have this square in my, my natal chart. Like I have a Sun Pluto square but from Cancer to Libra. And I've had to work really hard on my personal intensity. Like I am a very intense person. Uh, I try to be, I try to practice kindness as much as I can, but I've had to wrestle with some of the dark, dark side parts of me. I've, I, I am aware that at any point, uh, that desire to dominate, that, that Leo desire to be an authority can go south. And through that awareness, you can see yourself when you're slipping into it sometimes. Like I, uh, and, and we may become aware of this with the square to Pluto, with the sun square to Pluto. So, so be careful about how you wield power and authority around this period of time. Also, be careful about becoming obsessed with one particular idea. Mercury-Pluto squares can make us feel very fixated on one particular outcome or idea or thought process. And we have to be careful that we're not getting overly fixated on one particular idea about how we wield our authority. So the combination of those makes for a very powerful few days. Coming off the eclipse, we're in between eclipses. This is the Bardot period. So this is another time where a lot of things are in flux. A lot of things are, are moving. There's movement happening. And there are changes that are going to be happening. And that's okay. Like it's only change is one of the things that you can say to yourself, right? Our experience of that change is subjective, but objectively 
things change. Forms arise and forms fade away. People are born and people die. Relationships come and relationships go. Uh, you know, things in nature grow and then they decay. These are natural processes. And when we accept them rather than fight them, we're able to do it with grace. We're able to surrender to the process rather than create more suffering by resisting. Super important lesson, one that I've had to really work hard at as a 12th house sun in Mercury is surrendering to the process. It's not always easy, but sometimes when we come in alignment with the Tao or the natural direction that the current is taking us, then we're, we're able to alleviate not only our own suffering, but the suffering of others. Because people who are hurt tend to hurt people. People who are resisting and suffering tend to create suffering within others. So even if you're not doing it for yourself, do it for the people in your life too. Resisting the, the, the change and the challenges can make it difficult, not just for you, but for your community, your family, etc. So lots of ways that that could be tested moving forward. Angela says, thank you for your answer. So many things to study in astrology. So many facets. It's fascinating. Yes. I hear you, Angela. There are so many things to learn in astrology for sure. Uh, okay. I'm going to keep going. So that's the, the challenging Mercury Kazemi conjoining the south node with Mercury and the sun both squaring Pluto. Shortly after this, we sort of have a little light at the end of this uh, process. So we have a trine between Venus and Jupiter. So here's a Venus-Jupiter trine at about 12 degrees of Virgo and Taurus. On the 22nd, okay, it'll, it'll, it'll become exact around the 22nd. And we have Venus in the second decan of, of uh, Virgo and Jupiter retrograde in the second decan of Taurus. So this is, this is the day where we're also going to see Mercury moving into Scorpio. So here is the 22nd, right? Uh, so what are we going to experience with all of this? Well, let's break it down. First of all, we have a trine between Venus and Jupiter. We also are going to be experiencing a trine between Mercury and Saturn, okay? So after the very difficult, or potentially difficult, squares with the Libra planets and Pluto, now we start to find we have some flow, some flow state. And this often happens. Oftentimes we have to go through the challenging experiences to be able to get to the flow state. Here we have Venus in its own decan, in its own face. The ability to turn spirit into matter. The, the, the artisan, the craftsman, the gardener. Making a trine to Jupiter in Taurus too, which is about healthy routines, generosity, uh, benefits, giving and receiving. So we may be able to take the, the actions that we need to take to organize our lives to be able to create a positive routine, a positive material circumstance. This is a very material trine between Mars, I'm sorry, between Venus and Jupiter. 
So, so there could be something in your life where through your hard work, through your Hephaestian work, the second decan in 36 faces, he talks a lot about Hephaestus. Sometimes to create something beautiful, you need to get your hands dirty. So this may be the hard, dirty work to create something beautiful, okay, that's happening with the, the Venus-Jupiter trine in these particular areas. Now the Mercury-Saturn trine, Mercury is probably going to have us thinking about what we need to let go of, what we need to let go of to be able to move on from all those, those narratives that aren't serving us anymore with Saturn and Pisces. It's going to tell us what we need to let go of to make a dream real. We may be a little bit fixated on what we've lost, but try not to get too uh, obsessed with a form that just isn't bringing you vitality anymore. What I have found is that nine times out of ten, when something is taken away from me, it wasn't necessarily providing vitality. It, it didn't have life anymore, and, and there's a liberation from that passing. I learned this very acutely when my mom passed away last year. She had had a stroke, and she had had a really difficult time post-stroke, and was very, very sick, and wasn't very healthy. And she was, you could tell that she was suffering. And when she passed away, it was sad, and it was a huge, enormous emotional loss. But there was also a liberation that her suffering had ended, and that she had moved on to another form to another experience. And I had multiple, multiple messages. I'm, I'm not someone that is, was very sure about life after death or anything like that, but I, I received so many messages from my mom in various forms, through channeled messages, through animal messengers, through synchronicities, that it was very, very hard for me to rationalize those, those things away. And this could be a similar experience where, yes, it is painful to let go of something, but when we liberate that form and let go, we are able to see how it's changing from one form to another, and that hanging on to the previous form may be creating more suffering than the liberation itself. So I hope that that makes sense. And Jennifer is saying the stoic way of life, yes. Acceptance, radical acceptance. There are certain situations where you need to make changes, and part of the acceptance is that you have to make a change. But there are other situations that are out of your control that you need to let play out. That's, what it's, that's why astrology is so valuable, because it can give us timing. When we're in the middle of the change, like let's say we're in the middle of the Pluto square, and we didn't know anything about astrology, we might feel like we're melting, like a caterpillar melting in the cocoon. We're like, oh no, what's happening? But if we understand that there's light at the end of the tunnel, we can surrender to the process with the knowledge that eventually we're going to be a butterfly. Okay? All right, so that's the trine with Mercury and Saturn happening around the 22nd and the trine between Venus and Jupiter at around the same time. That gets us to the end of Libra 3. So, as we are apt to do at the end of these decades, take a little stretch, do me a huge favor. We've probably got about 20 more minutes here or so. Um, please like and subscribe to the video. If you'd like to contribute to the work that I'm doing here, there's a little dollar sign in the chat. It's called Super Chat or Super Sticker. That helps me keep the lights on here. I appreciate all of you who have already donated today. 
and that have in the past. I just so very much appreciate your generosity. And it helps me to, to create time to do the work that I'm doing. If you haven't heard, I'm doing a Deccan walk where I am going on a year-long journey through the Deccans where we are going to be learning and sharing together, doing many, many chart analyses in real time, living through the Deccans, seeing how those themes are playing out in our lives and doing what I like to call collaborative storytelling, sharing our experiences so we can learn how it can manifest in multiple lives and multiple topics and multiple charts. So I hope that you'll join me for that. Payments or plans are available upon request. You can pay by the month, you can pay quarterly, whatever you need to do to make it easier to afford. I know that it, looking at it as a year-long program, it looks like a lot of money, but there's a lot of value built into that program. You will receive all 12 of my Deccan webinars, which is uh, over, let's see how many, what's, what's three times 12? Over 36 hours of material that you get when you sign up for the class, recorded material. You will get to meet with me two times a month for two to three hours a time. I, I really get into the depth and the weeds in, that, in those face-to-face -face Zoom group meetings. We we'll have a fairly small group, so we have a lot of individual attention. You will get Deccan flashcards to help you learn and memorize all of the associations with the Deccans. You will get a workbook that you'll be able to record your observations, and you will get access to a Discord server where we will com create community and be able to talk about these things outside of class as well. So I hope that you'll join me for this journey. I hope that you will go on this year-long journey and that we'll be able to have an amazing group. We already have some really cool people signed up. You're going to meet some new friends. You're going to make some deep connections. Um, I'm really excited and looking forward to it. Okay, let's finish up with Scorpio 1 here. So, I'm going to show you my Deccans of Scorpio webinar, which you can also find for sale at spencermichaud.com, or you will get the entire webinar slides and recording when you sign up for the deck and walk. If you already have it, remember you can reach out and we can uh, negotiate a different price if you have the deck and webinars already. But they will be an essential component of the class. And I've priced them at a discount for signing up for the class. So if you purchase them outside of the class, they would be much more expensive than the part of the class that they are, are uh, providing value for. Okay, Scorpio 1. Let's talk about Scorpio 1. Um, here we see the Five of Cups, and we've talked about the three spilled cups with the two that remain behind. So there is some grief and mourning associated with this particular uh, decade. There are some uh, themes of potentially grieving a loss, but also trying to understand that, that if we shift our perspective towards gratitude, we may be able to move forward with our life. So they ha there's a spirit associated with this Deccan called the Nymphi, which were objects of desire. So we have also themes of hunger, but the unfulfillment of our hungers on some level, and that's where some of the grief comes in. So themes, hunger and starvation, grieving losses, pursuit of instinctual desires. Remember, Mars is of the lunar sect, 
is related to the moon. These are desires that we have that we may not even be completely aware of that are op uh, operating beneath the surface of our lives. Difficulty and fulfillment, disappointments, bitterness, fasting, and asceticism. Sometimes if we willingly give something up, that can lead us to positive outcomes as well. So questions you can think about during the beginning of Scorpio season. What do you desire? Uh, is this pursuit healthy? A lot of the times our desires aren't healthy. Sometimes it's okay to try to get our desires fulfilled. What forms are decaying? Remember, the beginning of a sign shows us sort of how we are able to, it gives us like an introduction to the themes that we're going through. So this is an awareness of a, of a form that we are going to have to let go of. So what forms are decaying? What shadow is operating behind the scenes? This is important. A lot of times, like I said, these narratives are happening beneath the surface of our conscious awareness. How can you ritualize your grief? That's another important thing, right? Is instead of just spiritually bypassing our grief and being like, oh, you just need to move, move right towards gratitude. Although you can do that eventually. Feeling the feelings is important. Accepting a loss and acknowledging it and i don't know if celebrating it is the right word but but ritualizing it in a way that will help you come to terms with it is important that's why we have funerals this is why we come together as a group to feel our feelings and to have a catharsis so then eventually after that process how can we shift towards gratitude how can we see what remains that will lead us forward or what is liberated from letting go okay so let's look at the chart excuse me all right let's look at this here okay y'all doing all right we're coming around third base and heading for home here on October the 23rd, the sun is moving, is moving into Scorpio, okay? The shift that we're experiencing here is that now the sun is going to be co-present with its host. It's not going to be hosted by a, a Venus that's in a version and in its fall. It is hosted by Mars in its own domicile, which is really empowering for the sun. So we've been going through this process of letting go since Mars has moved into Scorpio, but now the sun is joining in the party, okay? An empowerment for the sun. Okay. And it's immediately, just like Mercury and Mars before it, this is a theme of the month, is we have these squares to Pluto and, and whatnot, and then we immediately, when they change into Scorpio, are going to trine Saturn. So now the sun is going to make that trine to Saturn. So charting with live says, can we ask questions? Yes, of course. Yes, I mean, we're sometimes we'll, it de depends on how, uh, how much time we have and how personal it is. And if it's more about a, uh, a collective question versus a personal chart question, but yes, always ask your questions. And I, sometimes I'll have time to, to get to it and sometimes not, but, but welcome charting with live. I hope you're doing well. Um, the sun trying Saturn. So this is a time where we become aware of what we need to release, of what we need to let go of, to be able to come to terms with the reality of our dreams. Okay, uh, This is a time where 
we are going to be hyper aware of maybe some of the habits and routines that we have that aren't serving us. Maybe some of the things that we're having to compost and release to be able to make a dream real. Um, we are going to be prefacing and starting to see the, the void of course moon the day after this. So if we move to the 25th, the moon becomes void of course at 15 degrees of Pisces. Okay, so here's, I just think that with the sun trying Saturn, just, find, just a final thing to say about that is we really become aware of our responsibilities as well. And part of our responsibilities may entail letting go of some bad habit or some narrative that will allow us to move forward with our life. So the, 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 void of, the second void of course moon, the Hellenistic void of course moon, is happening from 15 degrees of Pisces to zero degrees of Taurus. So we're going to see the opposition of the moon with Venus start the void of course. That's the last aspect that happens. So we may have something where we're, we might be experiencing a little bit of overconfidence with the moon in the second decan of, of Pisces. And we have to maybe become a little bit more realistic about what is possible and what isn't. Okay. And as we move through, you know, the, the, the period before the next eclipse, we're going to have, it's going to be moving into a sextile to Saturn as it goes through and goes into Taurus. It, it's going to move all the way void, of course, here. And then make the sextile to Saturn to end the void, of course. Okay. Once the void, of course, is ended, then we're in eclipse day. Okay. Jennifer says like five stages of grief. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good thing to, to be able to work through with all this energy in the first second of Scorpio. So here's the void, of course. Um, and there's not much going on between the 25th and the 28th. I mean, we're always going to have things going on in our life, but this void, of course, you may be tempted to do things that are more um, individually focused, but they may not work out the way that you're hoping. Okay. You may be encouraged to like push, push your way through, like ram your way through with the moon and Taurus or moon and Aries, but you have to be careful about that. There may be some desires to do things your own way, but you have to be careful because the moon is void. Uh, charting with Liv. Oh, thank you so much for the super sticker. Uh, it says, I have Jupiter in Taurus on my ascendant right now, retrograde. It has been almost impossible to control myself from desire. My Scorpio sun is in the sixth house and my moon is fifth house Virgo. How can I use October to restabilize myself? Okay, so you have Jupiter in Taurus retrograding. Scorpio sun in the sixth. Which decan is the Scorpio sun in? Is it, what degree is it in? Um, first of all, Jupiter and Taurus on the ascendant. This is, this is a, once Jupiter was stationed retrograde, there is a reevaluation process of how you seek pleasure versus taking care of your responsibilities. Okay, so, so that this is what Jupiter is trying to teach us 
through its retrograde through the second decan of Taurus is how do we share with others? How do we give ourselves what we need? And how do we create the right rhythms in our life and consistency in our life that will create successful positive outcomes? And that may take some, some practice as far as trying to figure out what the right mixture is. Now, if you have the sun in Scorpio, if we use whole sign houses, the sun would be in your seventh whole sign house. Live. So I, I use whole sign houses. So there may be some challenges with that uh, around relationships, around how you merge with others. Okay. So Liv says, forgot to mention my north node is Virgo conjunct the moon. Sun is at three degrees between Chiron and Mercury at 11 degrees Scorpio. Okay. So you're probably having some challenges with maybe a partner, right? With the sun in the seventh house and the desire, there may be something that's showing you a desire nature through a partner. It could be unhealthy habits, could be with Mercury in, in the second decan of Scorpio. There could be a lot of challenges around um, how your resources merge with others. Since Mercury rules your second house and your fifth house, maybe you're spending money on things that are unhealthy for you. And some of that influence is coming through a partner that can also suggest unfortunate combinations with a partner, like a romantic partner or otherwise. So I think what Jupiter is saying to you is, how can you trust your own instincts, your own intuition, your own life to be able to understand what is healthy for you and what isn't? A lot of times people with Scorpio placements are having to deal with very intimate, merged, emotionally merged relationships. And sometimes those can be beneficial and other times they can be toxic. In his book, 36 Faces, Austin Coppock calls the second decan of Scorpio an apparatus for mutual distillation. So think about the exchanges of energies you have with people. And we will talk about this as we move forward here, because as we get to the eclipse, this is probably going to be important for you, Liv, because this is going to be a, a, an eclipse that is on your first and seventh house axis. So let's get to the, I'll, I'll describe your challenge in context of this eclipse, okay? So here is the, here's the eclipse on October the 28th at 4.24 p.m. The sun will be at five degrees of Scorpio and the moon will be at five degrees of Taurus. So for Liv, this is happening over her first and seventh house axis. So this is a something coming to a head with potentially with a partner. Okay. Now the good, there's some good news and some challenging news with this eclipse. The good news is, is the sun is in its exaltation, or sorry, the moon is in its exaltation at five degrees of Taurus. It is in a place of, usually a place of fertility. It is very near its, its maximum degree of exaltation, which is three degrees Taurus. So this, the moon will be usually kinder around, around this place. The first decan of Taurus has to do with planning for the future, sometimes due to a fear of scarcity. 
So there may be a situation where we have lost something or we're grieving a loss and we are kicking into overdrive our, our planning for the future to create material security. Okay, so this is something to consider with this eclipse. The other thing that's happening in this eclipse is Mars and Mercury opposing Jupiter. Okay, the day of the eclipse, yeah, they're both happening right back to back with one another. The, the conjunction of Mercury and Mars happens the day after the eclipse, but the void, of course, moon ends the early morning of the eclipse. Okay. And then we have Mars and Mercury opposing Jupiter. So some of the themes I was telling Liv about, about merging with another, second deck in Scorpio, mutual distillation of habits, of emotional energy, is coming into conflict with our own personal rhythms. So there may be something where someone else's energy is coming into conflict with our attempts to create our own personal, healthy routines and habits, okay? So Mars is going to oppose Jupiter. Mars is going to be like, oh, there's, they're putting a lot of energy towards uh, combining our emotional energy with others. Taurus doesn't, Taurus doesn't really like that. Like Taurus wants to be their own, stand on their own four feet, right? <laughs> like, so I feel like the bull, right? Whereas Scorpio is a planet or it's a sign. I mean, it's about death and decay, and but also the merging together before release. So there's a story in those Scorpio decking cards, and we'll talk about this a lot in our deck and walk, of desiring something, coming and merging together with it, but not permanently, and then letting it go. Oftentimes you'll see a coming together like this, this intense coming together, but it's like, like getting back together with an ex to learn something and then finally being like, this isn't going to work. Okay. So there's something like that that's happening with Mars and Jupiter opposing, um, Mercury opposing Jupiter, S similar issues, but it's more about the discussions that happen around that are emotional. Mars may be the conflicts that were, are happening around these issues, but Mercury is going to help you discuss them. It's going to throw some things into confusion. Now, both Mercury and Mars are coming together, and they rule different parts of your chart. So there are going to be a number of topics all coming together and making that opposition with Jupiter. So I'll count them out for you. Mars rules Aries and Scorpio. So those two topics are going to be involved. Mercury rules Gemini and Virgo. So those topics will be involved. Like in, let's say we go back to Liv's chart for a second here. This is just, Liv is a Taurus rising. Okay. So if I get rid of this here. Oh, wow. Thank you. Um, Wow, thank you for your generosity, Liv. So appreciate you. Uh, Liv says, too much to say, but I have to tell you this accuracy is insane. I started a relationship with an October 28th Scorpio, and I'm tw 26th. In the 26th, I didn't put two and two together. 
that her chaos has disrupted my routine. Oh, there you go. So it's probably going to come to a head at this eclipse, Liv. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I love astrology. And thank you so much for that super sticker. That's awesome. Thank you for that, for that generosity, friend. I, I'm hopefully glad, I'm glad we're shining some light on this. So, so yeah, so you can see here in this Taurus rising chart, what, what I was getting at is that Mercury is going to bring topics of money, self-esteem, and how you seek pleasure into the equation. And Mars is bringing topics of like a secret enemy, self-undoing, how you maintain your peace and your solitude, and through a relationship. All of those topics are going to be constellated over the conflict between you and a partner. Okay? So, so this is a good time, Liv and others, at this eclipse. It, you know, the host of the moon is going to be Venus again. So this is a good time to have conversations about how you organize your time. What is your emotions versus the other person's emotions? How can you plan your day without being disrupted around it? One of the things I'm learning with effective time management is that I have to be protective of my time. I have to say no to disruptions around my time. And it's difficult, especially when we're when we are deeply bonded with people and we want to be nice and we want to create connection with people. Saying no is painful. But if we never say no and we never protect our time, we'll never have any of it. And we won't feel good about the time that we do spend with others because we haven't taken care of our own basic needs. And to be a good partner to others, you have to practice self-care and you have to take care of yourself. It's just, it is a balance. You don't want to go too far to either extreme, but you definitely have to make yourself a priority as well as the other person. So I hope that's helpful for you. The first aspect with this, this eclipse is either, again, we have this kind of weird kind of thing that's happening again, where it could either be the trine with Venus or the uh, square to Saturn. Now that one, it makes a difference, doesn't it? Like if we go, I'm gonna get rid of these things here. I have to look at it exactly. I say it could be either or because I'm of the opinion that when something is like technically, it might not be completely out of the bond, you know, which is the 15 degrees separation. So here the, uh, we're looking for the opposition, like the sun, or the, sorry, the moon, to be outside of 15 degrees of the opposition. Okay. So here is, uh, where is it? Oh, we got to do math really quickly in my head. So we want to get four, four plus 11, right? So we get, shit, stupid brain. Sorry, we're getting to the end of this and my brain is starting to melt a little bit. So here we see this is like 20 degrees. So if I go back here, should be close to 18 degrees. Okay, so this is, okay, four. I'm gonna say that it's probably the square with Saturn then. 
because here it's just not out of the bond yet. As we make the trine with Venus, it's close. Like it's four, four plus nine. So that could be an interpretation, but I don't really think that it's going to be until we get to the square with Saturn. Okay. So that being the case, look at what we have here. The moon in Gemini squaring uh, Saturn in Pisces. So after this eclipse, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Liv. I appreciate you being here and thank you for your generosity. And I hope that you're able to find the right balance between you and your partner. And it's okay to, to speak up for yourself when, for your time. You don't have to be mean about it or anything like that. You could just have an honest conversation and, and f try to find ways to have a healthy uh, balance between your needs and their needs. So with the moon squaring Saturn as the first aspect after this eclipse, we could have an enormous amount of options that could feel paralyzing. And we're going to have to decide which of those potential pathways are in service of our greater dream and our greater motion moving forward and which one of them we need to let go of, right? Again, we're, we're, what we're doing after this eclipse is we're preparing for Saturn to turn direct, which is awesome because we've been reviewing the narratives that we have been you know, crafting our life around with Saturn and Pisces. But once we see Saturn moving direct, then we're saying, okay, this is actually the reality of our situation. This is the reality of the, the things behind the scenes that craft our, our lived physical reality. And it'll be easier to, to manifest a dream or to let go of it completely once Saturn turns direct on November the 4th. So that's what we're going to be seeing directly after this eclipse energy. Uh, and then on the 29th, you know, we, we skipped past it, but in the midst of this process, we're ha we see a conjunction between Mars and Mercury. So maybe we have a really fortunate, hopefully not superheated conversation about, you know, what is us and what is them? You know, Mars in the second decan of Scorpio Maybe we have to sever and separate some of the, the emotional ties that we have with others that are keeping us from having the routines, the healthy routines that we want. And Mercury can help facilitate that communication. Okay. Mercury is going to be pretty close to the fixed star Alfeca. All right. It's, it, the conjunction happens at 11 degrees of Scorpio, but Alfeca is like at 12 or so. This also could be something coming together with like a, Alfeca was like the crown, the crown of thorns. It was a, a place where we had this, uh, you may be gifted with some sort of social elevation, uh, but it comes with a catch. Like Ariadne was the, 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 the consort of Theseus in Greek mythology. And she helped Theseus out of the maze with the minotaur with her string. And he married her, and, and then, but then abandoned her like on this island. So there may be something where we feel like we we are gifted with something, but then we're abandoned. But the turnaround with that is is positive. Uh, Dionysus found her on this island and became enamored with her, and she became his wife. He rescued her. So like you may lose the human and gain the god type of thing. Do you see what I'm saying? Like you, you may there may be some divine intervention that helps with this process after this particular. Uh, combination. So hang in there with all of it. I know that it's going to be a little 
I'm not looking forward to this one necessarily. Jupiter's my time lord, and, ha and I have a Leo rising. So this will be an angular eclipse with these oppositions over my 10th and 4th house. So we'll see what happens. But you'll hear about it, I'm sure, on this channel. We'll share the highs and the lows, right? Okay. So finally, on the 30th, the moon is going out of bounds until, until, so this is funny. So the moon is going to go out of bounds, you know, here in Gemini, until it, uh, till Saturn stations direct on November the 4th. So the period of time while Saturn is stationing after the moon is squaring it will be very instructive about what we're going to need to do to move forward uh, with our Saturnian story. The final aspect of the month, and thank you so much for sticking with me this long if you've been here. On the spooky day, on Halloween, we do have Venus making a trine to Uranus. So here we see Venus at 21 degrees of Virgo, trining Uranus at 21 degrees of Taurus. So this could be a pretty funky Halloween. This, this to me is like, you could have, you could dress up in a costume that is really weird. <laughs> like it's, there may be just something that's completely outside the box, like that you're thinking of for Halloween. Or I guess I would be careful about not overdoing it on Halloween if, if you're celebrating or whatnot, but this could be a very unorthodox holiday. And you could find unorthodox solutions potentially to, to problems as well. You might be thinking about passing on a legacy around this period of time, but you're going to have to, to do it in a way that is taking into account what has worked in the past and what isn't, and making the necessary changes to do something in a slightly different fashion. So, friends, that is the astrology of October. Oh my goodness, we did it. What a journey. So a couple things before we end today. And thank you so much for hanging out with me today. What a what a gift it is to have this wonderful community. Thank you for the super chats, for the questions, for the the comments and the catching some of the details. You all are an awesome community. Uh, Devin is saying interesting Mars in domicile with Rahu and is in Aries during an eclipse that seems spicy. I think that one is definitely a spicy friend. I think the saving grace is the moon in Taurus, which it could be worse. You know, but but yes, uh, that's going to be a funky one, especially with the oppositions to Jupiter with Mars and Mercury. Definitely. Um, thank you, Prudence, for being here. Uh, appreciate you, friend. So a couple things before we end. The hexagram that I got for you for October was number 39, which translates to obstruction, limping, stumbling, adversity, difficulty, hardship, but also... That something that requires self-reflection. You may find yourself between a rock and a hard place during October, but they will show us the way to get past that obstruction in the I Ching. There are two changing lines. Line number three says, going forward means obstruction, so he comes back. So this is advising us not to move forward recklessly. Uh, it would be unwise or unprudent to jeopardize your security with a rash advance. Uh, struggling against something that you're having a challenge with can endanger not only yourself, but others that depend on you. Okay, So if you try to make some radical change during eclipse season that is unconsidered, you can put not only yourself, but others in danger and jeopardy as well. So be very careful of that. 
Line number four says going forward means obstruction. Coming back means connection. Okay, so we had, you know, this theme of coming back, of like returning to normalcy or something of that nature. So this is saying that you can't deal with the obstacles by yourself. Libra season is a, and Scorpio season really are periods of joining forces with other people, for better or for worse. Okay, but you can't deal with these challenges and obstacles by yourself. Even though we have the North Node in Aries, and we really just want radical independence right now, we desire that wholeheartedly, myself included. Um, but we might lack strength or resources or preparation. So the I Ching advises to gather allies, to pool your resources and skills, to accept help and advice from folks that you trust, and then you can move together as a group. So coming together in social groups, this changing hexagram is changing to number 45, which is translating to gathering together, joining with others, assembling, having a common cause and pitching in. So this is advising us really to, to rely on our social networks, rely on our social groups. The animal that I got for you this week was the cockatiel, which is all about social interaction. They are very good communicators. They, they flock together. They are loyal to one another. They are devoted to their partners. This can speak to having clear communication. Cockatiels are easily bored, so this could be a, a warning not to get too distracted by all the shiny things in life. Remember that Algarab placement we had. It also asks you to, to think before you speak and that your words could be really sharp, okay? so especially with this Mars action, right? And then, you know, be a little bit social. I think communicate with people. Pool your intellectual resources so that you can ask other people what they think of some solutions for your problems. Oftentimes we try to carry heavy burdens all on our own and we are social creatures. And even the most hermetic of us, myself included, we need people, you know, one way or the other, whether it's online or in person or whatnot, um, it's okay to reach out for help. All right, so that is what I have for you today. I'm just gonna do one more quick chat check here. Uh, do, do, do stellar renditions is very spicy, very spicy for this one. Reverend Kai, thank you, friend. Devin says, is Venus close to Antitia with the eclipse? Mm, I'm not sure. We'll have to look at that. I'll have to do some more calculations. Um, and Darren is here. Hey, Spencer. Hey, Darren. How you doing, D? Nice to see you, friend. Hope that you're doing well over there across the pond and everything is treating you well, my friend. Bonnie says, glad to catch your wrap up. Oh, thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for being here. And yeah, friends, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for being here with me today, going on this long journey. I tried to get to as many details as I could. Uh, if you have more observations, if you have more research that you're doing on various parts of the eclipses and whatnot, drop me a comment in the, in the comment afterwards. and We can continue the conversation after the fact. Please, please, please do me a huge favor, like the video, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to my newsletter, and subscribe to Tanya Andrews' Third Coast Mojo newsletter. It's a great opportunity to win some magically uh, elected oils and, and products. She has a giveaway that's going on until the end of the day today, uh, which is the 15th of September. So, so you have the opportunity to do that. Even if you miss out on it, Sign up for a newsletter anyway. Check her out on Etsy. She's a wonderful, wonderful person and does some really great work. And please check out that deck and walk. Reach out if you have any questions about it. If you 
need to work out a payment plan, anything like that, I would love to go on that journey with you. So that's what I've got for you today, friends. Uh, Angela says, thank you for your wisdom. My chart will be on fire and it's useful to listen to you interpreting the sky. I often wonder how to navigate the oppositions. Thank you. Well, thank you, Angela. And thank you for your comments and questions today. And thank all of you for your kindness, for your awareness, and for your grace. So that's what I've got for you today. As always, friends, be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself over these periods of time. Eclipses can be very unsettling, but this too shall pass. And a little kindness goes a long way. Uh, a little self-care goes a long way. And we'll all get through it together. Remember, you've lived through many eclipses. And some things changed, and some things didn't. And usually it's not always the worst outcome, right? So just hang in there. All right, bud. All right, friends. We'll see you the next time. And uh, be good to yourself. Be good to one another. Peace.